Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I think it's the aftermath of what we've seen the last two years in the World Series. Dusty Baker two years ago wins the World Series. Bruce Bochy uh, at the age of 68 in year one. The Rangers wins the World Series. Uh, this is where it's going, guys. It, it's very uh, you know circular, the sport, and, and you recognize what works. And the grind of 162 is a big deal. And what are we seeing? We're seeing Ron Washington get a chance again. We're seeing managers get an AAV average annual salary of $8 million like Craig Council. If you're a great manager, that's worth something now in Major League Baseball like it was back when Joe Torre was winning championships with the New York Yankees. So I think it's good for the game. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. What's old is new again, and I'm talking literally and figuratively at this point, That's Alex. Great for my car. Baseball's managers are back, baby. They are back. Bob Melvin is going to San Francisco. They got out that clown who was trying to go with all the platoons and the openers. No, bring in Bob Melvin. Let's get some old school baseball back up here in San Francisco. Out in San Diego, Chicago. Mike Schilt. Maybe. We'll see. Well, you're going old school or young. Which one are you going? Had the old bull. Now I want the young calf. I would go the opposite route there. Had the young calf. Now I want the old bull. So I find what's going on right now in Major League Baseball to be really interesting in all seriousness. Over the last few years, we've seen Dusty Baker win a World Series. We saw Bruce Bochy win a World Series. Um, Those are guys that bring a lot of experience. And frankly, they're up there in age. And this is the type of manager that baseball has tried to get out of the game in a lot of ways, man. I think part of that is money. I I think baseball teams don't want to spend the money on the manager position as much anymore because they don't view it as being significant. And yet you look at what some of these baseball managers are that have had the success. Rob Thompson, Brian Snitker. These guys are, whether you believe that they're actually old school or not, they're advanced in age. And that gives off the impression of being old school. Now, I can say all that I want to about how, yeah, but Bruce Bochy came out this year publicly and stated, I get all of the information possible from my front office, and then we implement that into our game plans. I can tell you all I want to about Rob Thompson, who apparently went to his entire team other than the starter, Ranger Suarez, when they decided to go with essentially an opener situation to use that as a game where they were truly following the analytical numbers on their pitching none of that matters nobody wants to hear that what they want to hear is baseball's managers are back and the craig council decision where he 
got offered a boatload of money. They backed up the Brinks truck because they were able to improve from David Ross to Craig Council. That shows what we're talking about here. And then yesterday, another domino fell in this line of thinking. Ron Washington was hired by the LA Angels. Now, I don't think this is going to be something that takes the Angels from a 73-win team to a 90-win team overnight. I think it's much more likely that the Angels are worse next year than better if Shohei Otani decides to leave. Well, this is how you get Shohei Otani not to leave. Absolutely. I do think that we have undervalued managers across Major League Baseball. I I think they do matter, but I think it's more about vibes, and I think it's more about the individual coaching than it is anything else. Alex, where do you stand on this managerial decision? I mean, I... I feel like this is getting overblown because Craig Council was available. I feel like the manager position is this this glaring spotlight around Major League Baseball to kick off the offseason festivities because a guy who is considered one of the brightest young managers in the game that had a lot of success for a Milwaukee Brewers team that didn't have the roster to back up the success that they had. And everybody is all excited that all oh, the managers back now. And I've seen tweets saying that like Moneyball's dead. And I, 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 I just don't get it. I don't understand. Yeah, baby. Death to the numbers. <laughs> Woo! And we got we got the Yankees owner that's talking about bunting more. Like yeah, it, it feels like we're it feels like we're living in this twilight zone where we're trying to make. <laughs> No, we're living in T-Bone's dream fantasy Well, that's world. true. T-Bone's Someone bedroom right now, me. Apparently. I must be dreaming. It feels like everybody's trying to make something more the out of... The running game is back. Stealing oh, bases yeah. because oh, the bases yes. got bigger. Gosh. You're just trying to move this the runner like the over. This is all over well, again. Well, as we're talking, then Whitey Herzog is the next manager for the Cardinals. Right? We're back. If we're doing this. We're back. 92 years old, I'd say he's still brighter than most guys in Major League Baseball. I agree with that. It, it really feels like all that of these teams are trying to like all of the owners are like, hey, don't look at our roster that we don't want to spend a ton of money on and let our young players develop. Look at our manager. He's not into analytics. He's into gut. He's into locker room camaraderie. And I don't think that's going to matter. So I think some teams have actually underplayed the importance of that stuff. Like, I, I think it is really important to have a guy that can work the room. So then you, why didn't Bob Melvin work for the Padres? Because that's a guy that knows how to work rooms. I think sometimes there's rooms that just don't work. And I, I think what happened this year with the Padres is the team wasn't a team. I heard yesterday Chris Getz came out, the new general manager for the White Sox, and he said, I like individual players. I don't like our team. I respect how honest he was about that because I think he's right. Of all of the report, after we've heard all of these reports from players that were on the White Sox talking about how, hey, man, this team did not come together. Players just did not take this stuff as seriously as they needed to. I think that team needs to be completely broken apart. I think there's certain rosters that are just rotten to the core. And whether it's because it's from the top down or if it was just a player issue that, I mean, we saw this with the Red Sox a while ago, right? You remember the fried chicken story where it was like, hey, we got to break up this group of players. We got to get some more different guys in here. Sometimes stuff just kind of runs its course. And I think the Padres have kind of run their course in this current iteration of the, uh, of the team. They've tried a bunch of different managers. They've tried adding new talent. It hasn't worked. All right, maybe there's a problem with the actual core group of guys that we got in here. I think that's what happened there. I do think, though, that like having Bruce Bochy in Texas mattered. It did. 
I don't think he's the reason why they won the World Series. I think the reason why they won the World Series is because they spent $500 million on their middle infield. Corey Seager was the best hitter in the sport for the last month of the season. Traded for Jordan Montgomery. They made really smart decisions, but also they had a guy in charge that was able to get the best out of them. And that does matter. It does. I'm not trying to undersell that, but I, I think you need the talent first and then the manager matters. And so that's where I find this to be really interesting is I think the Cubs, what they're doing, I think the Cubs are trying to recreate what they did in 2016. I think the Cubs look back to the success that they had with the last version of the team that won and say, well, that's the way that you win. What they have in that team, they had a bunch of stars and they brought in a manager as the final piece. The final piece to that puzzle was bringing in a star manager in Joe Madden. And I think that's what they're trying to recreate. Alex, when we think about what do, what do the Blues need to do to get back to championship form? Oh, we always reference trade for a top 10 defense or a top defenseman. We reference what they did to get it the last time, the only time. Whoa. What do we do when we talk about the Cardinals needing Man. to get back to championship form? We skip People, 2011, go back to TLR's 06. Fair. We bring up the MV3. We bring up bring back what Jockety. they were able to do in 2011 to 2013. You need the ace, right? You, who's your Chris Carpenter? Who's your Wayno? Who's your guy that's going to start a game one for you and go up there toe-to-toe against Roy Halladay, RIP, and go shove in that game, right? Give you a chance who to just win. just learned? Who texted in yesterday and told us that the comp for Chris Carpenter is uh, who was the free agent that they brought up? God, why am I blanking on the name? Remember? Was it Nola? No, it wasn't Nola. No, it was some like middle tier starting pitcher that they tried to convince us that the numbers look the same. His FIP is the exact same as Chris Carpenter was. Yeah, God, who was it? Was. Wasn't Sonny Gray? Giolito? No. no. I'm in vacation. Yeah, I was going to say, BK Anyways, gave up on the day. I, I say all of that to say this. I think managers matter. I think teams going to like more experienced managers that bring something to the room. I think that's really smart. I also don't want to get out over our skis here. This doesn't mean the Cardinals need to fire Ollie Marmel. This doesn't mean that young managers can't work anywhere else. It doesn't mean that the only way to win in Major League Baseball is by saying, screw the numbers, we're not listening. No, none of these teams are doing that. They're not. Ron Washington will have a packet of information on his desk every single morning. And you know what? He's going to utilize it because he's not a dummy. He's a smart guy. Nope, he's going to crumble it up and throw it in the trash can. I'm going with my gut tonight. He's bringing his shredder to work. You cannot exclusively go based upon that. But if you just say, forget the numbers, this is what my gut tells me, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. It's not a way to win in Major League Baseball in 2023. If you go out to the players and you sound like you don't understand what the modern game is, they're going to laugh at you. Because they are all growing up in a day and age where, guys, minor leaguers, college players, guys that are growing up in travel teams, they're using Rapsodos when they're like 15 years old now. Like our youth teams around St. Louis, if you have a kid right now that is going through a competitive baseball program or are getting individual baseball lessons, odds are you have seen them learn about their spin rates, their velocity, everything pitch shaping because you're trying to find out, okay, what do we need to do to improve? That's what all of these guys are growing up with now. If you got a manager that doesn't understand how to use that stuff, you you can't win in today's game and your players will just completely ignore them. So managers are still important. I think some of the stuff that we didn't put enough importance on over the last decade or so in the game, that is starting to come back, but it's not going all the way in that direction. It's somewhere in the middle ground. Well, let me ask you this. Who has more success with the team next season? Craig Council or Ron Washington? 
Well, I mean, one of their teams is probably going to be good. The other one's going to be bad. So I would say it's going to be Craig Council because his team's investing. In exactly. The, the manager doesn't matter because it's about the roster that you're putting in place. Ron Washington's going to get the good, the best out of his team yeah. because he is a locker room guy. But at the end of the day, one team is going to spend ample amount of money to bring in talented players. And the other is probably going to try and return this thing around now that they lose Shohei Otani. And the manager, as great as he is, is a great of a rah-rah locker room guy that he is. It's really going to come down to who are you putting around Mike Trout to be successful compared to what guys are you putting on a roster? If you get Shohei Otani and Juan Soto for the Cubs, yeah, of course, Craig Council is going to have success. Yeah, But I also think that there is a, you can't put a number on this. There is no way to do so. I do think that if you had David Ross manage the exact same team this year as what they're going to have with Craig Council, I think David Ross gets less out of them. I do. Not if you're, I, I would disagree if you're putting the amount of top A players on that roster. So I mean, you don't think coaching at all matters in Major League Baseball? Uh, no, not, not that it doesn't matter. I just, I think acting like one guy is going to make this team the best team in That's the National I'm League. Doing. I'm telling you that I think like, if you have the exact same roster and Craig Council is managing it, like let's say they're a true talent 90 win team, Craig Council's managing them, I think they could get to 95. La- I think he could be worth four or five wins. So this year. last season's roster for the Cubs, I absolutely agree with you. If you put Council on that team, but what I'm saying is next year we're going to act like if the Cubs go on to win 95, 100 games, and we're going to act like Craig Council turn it around, but we're going to overlook the fact that they probably signed Shohei Otani oh, okay. and trade Juan Soto. Okay. We're going to over exaggerate the importance of a uh, manager next year with Council. So now I think I see what you're saying. If they end up going out there and making two massive splash moves this offseason, and then that's this team wins 95 games next year, the bigger reason for it will be the moves that they made on the player side. It doesn't mean that the manager had nothing to do with it, though. The manager, I do think, matters. I I do. I, I think if you've got a bad manager in there, it can ruin everything. If you've got an average manager in there, improving from that to a great one can improve things. I think this year, Texas, I think it mattered that they had Bruce Bochy on the bench. I really do. I think he's an excellent manager, a Hall of Fame manager, arguably the best one of the last 20 years. I I just refuse to believe that that means nothing to have that guy making the decisions. I also think Ollie is a pretty good manager here in St. Louis. And I think this year was a weird season. If you look back at TLR's second year, when he was first getting into managing, man, somebody had to give him his first crack at it. All these guys that we're seeing right now that are managers that have a ton of experience in the position, at some point, somebody hired them for the first time. And the Cardinals are hoping we can get the most out of this guy because as he continues to gain experience, we think he can develop into one of those guys that you're talking about. Now, the final thing on this, Alex, before we get to Scott Perunovich, who's finally getting his chance in the lineup for the Blues. How many managers actually matter? Because I've seen a lot over the last few days. Buster only had a really good piece on this earlier today over on ESPN.com about how Craig Council hitting free agency is going to be a change to the landscape for managers across the league. More guys will now hit free agency and then there will be a bidding war for their services. Okay, sure. In theory, I like the idea. How many managers, though, would have a bidding war for them? Two, three, maybe four? I mean, Kevin Cash comes to mind. I think you're going to get a bidding war for him. I think you'd get a bidding war for Dave Roberts and Brian Snitker. And part of me feels like those two would be overpaid because it's name recognition. And you're looking at two guys that winners. Yeah, they're on teams that, you know, have spent ample amount of money to put good teams on the field. Um, I think that's the only three. 
I, and I, I mean, if we're going to say Bruce Bochy in this one, but like Cora, maybe World Series winner. I don't know if that's Notable a bidding name. war, though, because aren't you kind of seeing like his true colors with a team that's not talented? I mean, he's got a talented roster. They haven't done much the last couple of years. And I know a lot of people will blame Heim Bloom because he's the one who got fired. But not I don't as think talented as he had when yeah. he won the World like, Series. I mean, we just raised the question of if I put Council on that team, I think the Red Sox are better with, with him than Cora. So I don't think Cora would be that guy. Cora hasn't been able to shake off the the uh, trash can, the sign-stealing scandal yet. For you. I think for most people, yes. Well, he is the worst. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, man. He goes on vacation, and what I think he you likes to do— We'll take it from here. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Scott pour the gasoline and— Light it. Yeah, 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN in about 10 minutes or so. We're getting to our football pick and we'll also be joined, Alex. By the general manager of the Arizona Coyotes, Bill Armstrong, former Blues assistant GM. He's going to join us coming up at 12 o'clock. So tell all your friends to tune into that. Bill Armstrong joining the show coming hey, up. Bill Armstrong is coming up today at 12 o'clock. But right now, the Blues have made a decision to change their lineup a bit going into tonight's game, Alex. First of all, they're going to have Joel Hofer in net. So Hofer back in net against Arizona. He was the first one off the ice. So that's our anticipation going into tonight's game. Also, Scott Perunovich is going to get an opportunity to be in the lineup and to be on the power play. Here's what Craig Berube told the fast lane yesterday about what he wants to see from Perunovich when he gets this chance. Well, one being def- defending responsible, like uh, defensively responsible for sure, and making sure that he's doing a good job in that, that area. Two, move the puck, get it up to our forwards as quickly as possible. And that's, you know, he, he's going in not just because of the power play. I want, him to, I want him to get power play opportunities too. But that puck movement, getting it up to our forwards, you know, will decrease some of the frustration at times too that our forwards have. They want that puck quicker in their hands. Um, he's the type of player that can make those plays, clean plays, you know, to our forwards where now they're having opportunities going the other way. Okay, let's let's take that and like break it down from coach speak. Yep. He wants quick exits out of the zone and no turnovers. He's trying to create offense with Scott Perunovich. And this last game against Winnipeg, it wasn't just one defenseman. It's not like Tyler Tucker was the bad one out, and that's why you had to pull him out. You couldn't get out of your own zone. Winnipeg he- heavily forechecked you. You tried to make zone exit passes, and it got picked off. And then you were t- talking turnovers, and you weren't using your feet. Scott Perunovich is fast. Scott Perunovich is very good at moving the puck, and his outlet passes get the forwards moving faster. You force the other team to play transition hockey. And you didn't do that against Winnipeg. And Arizona is going to forecheck the hell out of you tonight. They are going to force you in your own zone. They're going to steal pucks away from you. They're going to have two guys on one man. And this is an opportunity. If you're elite at puck moving out of your zone, you can catch them off guard and get some odd man rushes. So if Scott Perunovich wants to stay in the lineup, and it's a good decision by Craig Perubi because that's his expertise. Puck's on a stick, you're getting that outlet pass, and it's crisp onto the tape of the forward, and we're talking about the play going the opposite direction. Now, if he's making sloppy passes, or if you're hesitant with the puck, if you're not skating, you're going to cause turnovers, which means you're going to be sitting on the bench. So 
He's got to create offense, and I don't mean pick up points, have an assist, get a goal. But do that on the power play, too, please. Yeah, please do it on the power play in the 10 seconds of ice time that you'll get on that second 40. unit. 40? Sure. Yeah. yeah, we'll count that one. I doubt it. Uh, Five-on-five play, you got to see him jump into the offense the way that those guys did against Montreal and New Jersey. I also like that they're going with him in this stretch of games. You've got Arizona and Colorado as your next two. Yeah. These are two faster teams that are going to try to beat you with speed and skill. And that is not a good matchup for Tyler Tucker. Yeah. That, we, we saw this last time around when they went up against Colorado. It just it, it doesn't go well for Tucker in these kinds of matchups. So I like that they're getting him out there right now. I would just honestly give him an extended runway. I know that it, it, it's going to look bad at times. He's probably going to get walked. He's probably going to get stood up in front of his own net a few times. Like, it, there will be growing pains, but there were also growing pains with Tyler Tucker, man. And if you're telling me, hey, who would you rather see grow with this opportunity, given what the Blues have right now, offensively, defensively, everything, taking everything into account, would you rather see Tyler Tucker continue to grow or would you rather see Scott Perunovic continue to grow? I, I lean towards Perunovic. Because skill set wise, you need somebody to help you on this power play right now. Skill set wise, you need somebody that can get the puck out of your uh, your own end as quickly as humanly possible. He has those skills. You need a guy that's got a little speed back there with Marco Scandella. So I, I like them going this direction. And I would just say, hey, for the next 10 games, you gave an opportunity to, for Tyler Tucker. He didn't really do anything that would suggest to me he needs to be in the lineup on a night-in, night-out basis. He looks more like a seventh defenseman than a sixth guy to me. Let's see what it looks like with Perunovic. Yeah, I know the narrative was going into the season, well, Perunovic and crew can't be on the ice together. They absolutely can because you're an offense-driven team, and I know that sounds crazy to say, but your defense, the scheme that has been put in place, has worked. We've seen it shut down some really good teams offensively, you're a lot of one and dones with the exception of a few games. You can have Krug, you can have Letty, you can have Scott Perunovic in the lineup on a nightly basis because you're not trying to outmuscle the opponent in front of the net. What you're trying to do is you're trying to force the opponent to take the initial shot from the outside, pick up that loose puck, and move it north. And that's where Scott Perunovic can thrive for this team tonight. Yeah, I, I just want to see it. I want to see what it looks like. Yeah, I do and too. I'm excited that they're giving him an opportunity. Fingers crossed that he's able to take advantage of it. The one other thing, Blues-wise, that I wanted to get to, Alex, I mentioned Joel Hofer expected to be in net for the Blues tonight against Arizona. There was also this that came from Elliot Friedman in his 32 Thoughts podcast on the Blues goalie situation, but really he was talking about Edmonton and what they can do to fix their situation. My God, has it gotten bad quickly up there? He said, I do think they are contemplating things, looking at several different options, speaking of Edmonton. There have been reports of Jordan Bennington, but unless the Blues are willing to give up on their season, they would need to replace him, and they probably won't be taking on Campbell in return. Bennington also has a $6 million cap hit, which would take quite a bit of finagling from both sides. It's not impossible, but it is certainly challenging. Alex, in my opinion, it should be impossible. He yeah. is one of the very few players on this team that if you want to make this a retool instead of a rebuild, he's an untouchable. It's a non-negotiable Jordan Bennington should not be available via trade right now. Now, there was a time a couple of years ago that I wondered, does it make sense for the Blues? W would this be under consideration at the trade deadline? We were talking about it. The answer is no. The answer is you've got a franchise goalie and you just don't get rid of a franchise goalie when you have one. So keep him here. I don't care what's going on in Edmonton. That's their problem. They can't have one of your solutions. Well, and he's got a no trade clause. So like, you got to go through that. But you're right. Why? Anybody who thinks trading Jordan Bennington's a good idea because you can save the cap space you're you're not 
you're going into a rebuild if that's the case because Jordan Bennington allows you the opportunity to kind of go through these growing pains pains with the, the younger players and get into a better spot and by year three you're talking about Jordan Bennington being 32, 33 years old, hoping to compete again, and you got a guy who can do that. Joel Hofer's 23 years old. Joel Hofer's getting the start tonight because he's looked good in his last couple of games. But why break up something that is your, and I know we've talked about this a lot, the Blues don't do anything great. They do goaltending great right That's now. True. And why would you break up what you've got two guys that are making less than $7 million for the next two years that are going to give you a chance to win every single night. You don't break that up, even if it's Edmonton. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Blues versus Coyotes tonight. Pre-game coverage with Alex begins at 6 o'clock. We'll have that full coverage right here on your home of the Blues 101 ESPN. Arizona Coyotes general manager Bill Armstrong joins the show coming up at noon. Coming up next, our football pick'em. We're getting to our three favorite picks of the week. College, NFL, it's got to be on Saturday or Sunday. Who are you going with? We'll tell you next year on 101 ESPN. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. T-Bone, I'm BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. In 10 minutes, we're getting to questions and answers. If you guys have any questions, get them in on the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646. Or if you want to watch on YouTube, you can get us a chat over there as well at 101 ESPN STL. Our Air Alliance Team Studio Cams are where you can find us. All right, Alex, we're getting to our football pick'em. The way that we do this each and every week throughout the football season, we will pick three games. That's on a scale of one to three, three being the most confident. Every week we will reveal our picks the following week. So far through the first week of this uh, month's challenge, I'm in first place. I've got five of the six possible points. Alex is in second place. Don't get used to it. Alex has four of the six potential points. T-Bone is a fraud, and he has three of the six Unbelievable. You're terrible, points. T-Bone. We'll terrible. go in reverse order Strong this week. Words. I will be picking first my one-point play going into the weekend. I'm sure there's going to be some fans that are upset at me. I don't care. I'm taking the Missouri Tigers plus the two points at home against Tennessee. Tennessee's a really good football team, guys. I'm not suggesting that they're not. But they do two things well. They run the ball really well, and they stop the run really well. You can throw against this defense, and if they get down, they have a really tough time getting back into games by throwing the ball. I said earlier this this year, T-Bone, Joe Milton can't, can't do what? Can't hit the something side of a barn. Can't hit the broad the side empty, of a barn. The empty door of a barn. That hasn't changed. This is a team that went from a top three passing offense in all of college football to this year being a bottom half passing offense in the sport. 
I like the Tigers. I think this is a really big Luther Burden game. I think Brady Cook has a get-right day against that Tennessee defense. Give me Mizzou plus two points at home. I like that one. All right, my one-point play. I'm sticking like I've done all season long. I'm staying in the NFL, and boys, he's back. And who am I talking about? Tommy DeVito? Nope, not Tommy. God, no, I'm not picking that game. Kyler bleeping Murray. Is that good? You got Arizona at home against the Falcons that they can't stop the broadside of a barn when a quarterback's throwing the ball and they don't have a whole lot of options, but they do have Kyler Murray and they do have James Conner both returning in this game. Uh, so I'm taking Arizona plus one and a half. I'm surprised they're the I, underdog in this I've one. I've got this line at plus two. I've got it at plus two as well. You I got it at plus one and a half on FanDuel. I mean, it's better for you if we've got it at plus two. Except they're now. now if you I can lose definitely push. it was plus one and a half, yeah, that's true. I'll take a plus two. All right. Doesn't Just matter. They're winning straight up, so I don't really care. I gave serious. This was my fourth pick, so it was just on the outside looking in. I gave serious consideration to this one. I like the Cardinals I, a lot this weekend. I almost moved it up, but the other two I was so much more confident in. I just don't know what to expect from Kyler. And that's why I put it at one, but, but I know Atlanta sucks. If we knew Kyler was coming back and he was going to be like at 100%, they might be favored in this game. So True. you're getting a little bit of a discount if you believe in Kyler. Someone Murray. said Kyler's going to be great until the new Grand Theft Auto game drops. Exactly. Mm, yeah, Cod's coming out soon, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, my oh, one-point play. <laughs> I, I, I warned Alex about this last week. I've warned you guys ever since I joined the show. One day, you will listen. This week, it's going to happen again. San Francisco's going west to east, and they are going to Jacksonville for a noon start. Let me calculate that in my head. That means they're playing 10 a.m. their time. They're not going to wake up yet. Give me Jacksonville plus three against the San Francisco 49ers. That's a stupid, bold bet to take so on. So I... I'm not going to lie to you. Last night as I was looking at that game. You heard me in the back of your head go. I thought about taking the 49ers minus the three points on the road. And in the back of my mind, I said, yeah, but BK, it's a noon kick. So stupid. God, I I pray San Francisco (laughs) beats that and beats it strongly so that I can hear T-Bone just shut up about that. All right. My next pick here. Shut up about the sun. I have been told all year by everybody who will say it that Michigan is the best team in the country based on what they have done against the bad opponents on their schedule. Nobody can score on this defense, man. And Michigan is consistently putting up 40 points against whoever it is that's on the other side. Now, this week, they travel. They're going on the road at Penn State, the best defense by a wide margin that Michigan has played so far this year. I don't care. I like Michigan minus the four and a half points on the road at Penn State. I think Penn State will get down by two scores at some point in this game, probably around the third quarter. And when they do, they have no chance of coming back. That offense just isn't good enough. They have no passing game to speak of. And going up against this Michigan defense, Michigan is more likely to score defensively than Penn State is to put up 21 plus. Give me Michigan minus the four and a half points. I think they roll. In Happy Valley, I we, like that one. We've got a duplicate because that's my three-point play. I like that one. I, I love Penn, or I love Michigan in this one because Penn State struggled with Ohio State, and I think Ohio State's a fraud in the college football playoff. So I, I think Michigan's going to beat the door off of them. So I, I like it four and a half. As long as this didn't get to seven and beyond, I was going to like this game no matter what. It's four and a half. I'm going to take it three-point play. Uh, by the way, we need to correct T-Bone. He doesn't know how time zones work. It's three hours. 
Did he say four? Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, he I, said two. Well, I said, sorry. I, tw- it's, it's, a 12, it's a 12 o'clock start our time. Two. Uh, I was going two hours from our time. Gotcha. Yes, three hours on the East Coast. Okay. Still equals 10 a.m., by the way, text making, line. Hey, man, we're just making sure that we're holding you accountable to your West Coast, no, East no, Coast they, time zones. They, they went, no, nope, I got him. No, you did not, <laughs> sir or madam. All right. I love this spread. I hope it didn't change at all. But my two-point play is the Ravens at home against the Cleveland Browns. It's six and a half. I think Baltimore wins that by more than seven. I've been betting against Baltimore. Baltimore this season, but I can't do it anymore. Their defense is the best in the AFC right now. Um, I know you're going up against another team that's got a really good defense. I don't think that matters, and I think Lamar Jackson has a field day with them. All right, T-Bone already gave us his three-point pick. He's riding with Michigan along with me. I am now going to make a ballsy move, and I don't even think it's all that gutsy, but it is the biggest line on the table right now. Oh, no, he is not... Don't tell me you're doing the Cowboys one, man. I'm going over to the NFL. Dude, it's 16 and a half. The Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? 17 is what I've got. <laughs> it moved again. It was 14 and a half when I saw it last night. And then T-Bone's oh guy, God. DeVito, <laughs> was announced as the starting quarterback today for the, Dallas, or for the New York Giants. And it bumped up another two and a half points. I don't care. You could make this line 21 points. It wouldn't be enough. This is such a loss. This is the, so bad. The Giants cannot score. They do, they can't move the football. I watched them against the Jets. It was embarrassing. I watched them against the Raiders, who have a bad defense. They got shellacked. Never had a chance in the game. Dallas wins this one 41-3. They put them away early. It never ends up being close. You could make this line as big as you possibly wanted to. I would take the Cowboys. Give me a Dallas. This is the breakout the game for Tommy DeVito. Mm, this is the game Tommy so. DeVito looks like a QB1. I didn't need a reason to root for my guy Tommy DeVito, but yeah. you just added more to it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. I will. They had negative passing yards against the Jets. I might buy you a Giants DeVito shirt if they end up oh, covering. Oh, man, yeah, you might be forced to wear that. I, you know you're losing, right? You don't right? even have to worry about it. It's not in the realm of the possible. You know the Cowboys are going to be up by 14 because the defense shuts the Cowboys down, and then the last play, no when chance. they can kick a field goal, they're going to just knee it. Their defense stinks. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL. This team is terrible. Okay, buddy. Okay, buddy. Uh, is it to me or is it to you? It's to you. It's to me? Okay, so I'm on my three-point play. Uh, I... I juggled with these. I was going to do Baltimore at three, but man, I'm going to back the team that I, I'm confident in. And I'm taking the line. Rawr! Minus three on the road in LA. Don't care because the Lions are the better team. Montgomery's back. Finally, Dan Campbell's got some sense in him and says, you know what? Maybe we should use Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery more. I think they're going to run the table on that Chargers team. So that's my three point play. Yeah, I hate that pick. Hate oh, it. Well, absolutely. Win by it. me. Yeah, I actually kind of like the Lions. I do actually like the Browns in your game against Baltimore. I do too. Watson played really well in that, their previous outing in their well, defense. You said you good. liked it? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So, we, as we said, my three-point play was Michigan minus four and a half against Penn State. So, my two-point play, I'm sticking with college football. Man, I, I thought Bama was a okay football team early on. And they have turned a corner, and they look like a potential, we talked about them yesterday, contender for the college football playoff. Hey, we know Kentucky. If you're a winning team in the SEC, you've got to have a field day against them Wildcats. So give me the Bama minus 11 at Kentucky. Nick Saban's going to get another win and continue to have the conversation of them as being a college football playoff contender. My buddy in Vegas who actually does this for a living, that's his favorite pick on the board this weekend. Nice. What did he say about my picks? Didn't like him. Yeah, shut up. He went Cleveland. Yeah, shut up.
He definitely did not like Cowboys minus seven. Yeah, I was going to say he definitely doesn't like that spread. Uh, he actually loved it. Yeah, he said that's one of sure. that's his favorite NFL. This is BK this trying to be like, no, he loves At the time, all of my picks. It was fourteen and a half. Yeah, does, I was, he always, I would... does he always love your picks? Because I no, no, don't think he's he, smart. He asks me my picks on Thursday, so that way he can then bet the opposite. And I'm not kidding. Smart. Smart man. So our picks for the week. I've got Mizzou as my one point play. They're a two point underdog at home on Saturday against the Tennessee Volunteers. Michigan minus four and a half on the road at Penn State. I've got the Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Minus 17. Alex is riding with the Arizona Cardinals in the fighting fighting Kyler Murray's plus two. He's got the Ravens minus six and a half against the Browns. He's got the Lions minus three in T-Bone going with two college football games. Once again, he's got the Jaguars though, to start things off. They are playing at home teams coming from the West coast to noon slate. Come on, man. Easy you know that that's a, a guaranteed pick for T-Bone. Jaguars plus three at home against the 49ers. That's he's got loss. Alabama minus 11 in Michigan as well. Minus four and a half. Those are our picks going into the weekend. I am currently atop our standings with five points. Alex has four. T-Bone has three. You guys can follow along all weekend long. We will give you our reveal coming up on Tuesday. Coming up next, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Questions and answers here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe it's PK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. Alongside Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. Bill Armstrong, the Arizona Coyotes general manager, will join the show in less than 10 minutes. So stay tuned for that. Want to talk a little bit of big picture hockey with him. We'll get into that coming up here in just a little bit. But right now, it is questions and answers. 314 314- 399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. From the 314, guys, when do you think it'll be time for BK to officially retire from picking football games? Can't retire. He just, he's in first place. That's right. Never. I need somebody that'll uh, get punished. Shoot there's, or shoot, brother. Shoot there's, or shoot. there's never been more of a, uh, right. uh, a stretch that I desperately want to win now that we've come up with this punishment. I want to, I want to... Just heave tomatoes at both of you so freaking bad. Oh, yeah. Have we announced that yet? No, I don't think so. No, the punishment this it. time around will be uh, we're going to stand in front of a wall and basically play dodgeball with tomatoes. And I'm I'm picking up Roma tomatoes. Like, I'm just going to. These are going to be like freaking baseballs. I'm light as feather and float like a bee, so I won't be getting ten, hit. Ten seems good. Ten? Ten a person. Feels like a lot. I'm, gonna leave, I'm, well, in, I'm going to leave welts. <laughs> I'm going to leave welts. All right, from the 314. Guys, considering that City finished as the top seed in the West, would you consider it a failure that they didn't win at least one playoff game? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think that the season is a failure, given what the expectations were coming into the year. They gave you as fans a reason to really latch onto this team. And that, that was the goal for season one. But yeah, the, the finishing with no playoff wins when you were the number one seed, that's a failure. I mean, but like, let's not get them mixed up because the season was a failure because you didn't make win a playoff game. It's not that it was a bad season. Like well, the indie, the finish was a failure. The season itself was yeah. a massive success. The, the fact that you were the best team in your inaugural season was a success for you. 100%. Now you got to figure out how to be better because you failed in the aspect of picking up a victory. Just don't get I, them confused. I, I think there's 
three different ways I would look at season as a whole success playoffs failure overall pretty disappointing oh really yeah when you're the top seed in the west and then you struggle in the final month after clinching and then you just get knocked basically get the doors knocked in and fail in the postseason I it really puts a sting on how the season will be remembered. Everybody will oh, say, "Oh, really? I remember the first year when the expansion oh, team was I here disagree. and they were good." I, everybody remembers playoff playoff failure. Yeah, I, yeah, but I don't, I don't think, think you're think gonna so. you're not gonna live on oh, that. I, I mean, maybe it's just me. Well, you're but a I, negative guy, though. Well, no, but I, I think like. When you I look always, back at year one of City, you think we'll look at it as a disappointment? I, I totally I think the, with that. I, depending on how you ask the question, like as a yeah, just, the season hey, itself. 20 years from now, how are you going to remember this? If you ask me, City? how do I remember? I remember them being good. And I remember them laying an egg in the playoffs. And I think That's that true. was disappointing because I thought that team should have made a semifinal run in the West. They yeah. really should have. They had too much talent to get bounced like that. And then at their pressure yesterday, they kept talking about, oh, how the regular season was a success and didn't mention anything about being bounced early. But it's, I, it's I'll not, remember it fondly. And it's not like that they were playing great from start to finish in the regular season they were bad the last six to seven I know, games and that's what adds disappointment no to see the i'd be more disappointed if they were dominant from start to finish and then laid two eggs and got bounced that would be disappointing to me interesting all right uh three one four three nine 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 six four six is the air comfort service text line from the three one four following up on this the real question is can city repeat next year what they did this year now i know rocchio got yelled at by his cohorts on his show when he brought this up well we don't do we don't do that on this show we don't it's mostly carrie and specifically randy who were very upset that he brought up the expected goal stat we don't use those voices here they they asked a question which i think is fair what matters more real goals or expected goals and the answer is of course real goals i would rather win with real goals than uh lose with expected goals i i wholeheartedly subscribe to that theory however uh as you're going into an offseason and you're thinking about how you project for the following season it's kind of like with the vikings last year we can look at the vikings and see like they were a playoff team nothing about that was real the giants last year they were a playoff team nothing about it was real and you could project towards the next season and see there's regression coming for both of these teams if they don't make significant improvements there is some truth to that some validity to that with city they relied heavily and i mean heavily on the MLS goaltender of the year, which was announced earlier today. By the way, congratulations to Roman Berkey. Hell of a year by him. More than deserving. He was a runaway favorite. Ended up winning that MLS goaltender of the year. If they do that again next year, it's not going to go as well as it did this year. It'll look more like it did in the second half than it did in the first half. Yeah, so I, I got to improve. I, I agree with you. I, I think if you were to ask me, like, where would I say they, looking at the MLS as a whole right now, where would they finish in the West? Probably five to eight range would be my guess right now. Still a really good team. But like you said, they did rely on Berkey a lot. And if your goaltender is in the MVP conversation, it's probably because he had to be used a lot and had to save your bacon a lot. And I think that final stretch, the way they ended the year after clinching to where they got knocked out in the playoffs, was kind of the beginning of that regression. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up next, Bill Armstrong, former Blues assistant general manager, now the Arizona Coyotes GM, will join the show. How do you know? When it's time for you to officially go for it as a general manager, he is the GM of a team that has struggled mightily for close to a decade. He might be in that scenario this year, Alex, as you get closer to the trade deadline. We'll ask him about that coming up next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. We're in search of Bill Armstrong, the Arizona Coyotes general it's manager. Got to do some heavy scouting against the Blues. You know, former tough Blues matchup. assistant GM. Excited to have him on the show today, Alex. Before we get to him, let's talk a little bit about the Blues because Jeremy Rutherford just tweeted out a quote from Craig Berube on Tory Krug and the power play in general. I found it to be interesting. Uh, he said, in terms of what we need to see from Krug on the power play, it's about puck movement more than it is anything else. You got to see the next play quickly. You have to move the puck quickly. One second makes a difference. Whether you got a shot off or the play is made that quickly. The other thing is we want him to shoot a little more from the top, create more opportunities from the top. He's got a good shot. So use it. If you go back and look at the past, he's done a good job of getting shots off from the top. Not overthink it. When you have a lane, you got to use it. It's all about quick decision-making. They talked about this with Nick Letty when he came over. That was one of the reasons why they didn't have him on the power play was because he didn't make quick decisions. Hopefully, he can get back to that sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's fast It's fast decisions. It's fast puck movement. It's moving your feet on the power play. And right, right now, it's just putting shots on net. I mean, it's not looking for the sexy pass to get the one-time shot that's the empty net. It's making sure you're just putting pucks on net because that's how you got you to gotta slump bust this power play somehow. Team that's putting a lot of pucks on net right now is the air. Arizona Coyotes. The Coyotes general manager is Bill Armstrong. He joins us now via the 101 ESPN hotline. Bill, we appreciate the time. Thanks as always for jumping on with us today. How you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing really well. So when you're in town, Bill, for a game in St. Louis, a place that you spent so many years, is there anything that you feel like you got to make sure that you go hit like a restaurant that's close to the arena, anything in particular that you got to make sure you do when you're in St. Louis? Well, the, the one ma- major thing that you have to do in St. Louis is take two points out of here. That's a major thing. <laughs> Proper that's, answer, Bill. That's pretty much the only thing that, that, that I have to do when I'm in St. Louis. You know, I, I, you know, listen, if there's a ball game, I, I, I absolutely love the cards. And that's, that's, but normally that doesn't happen. But when we, we used to come in for training camp, we'd go to all their – in the summer and development camp, as many baseball games as we could, and just love the cards and what an amazing stadium and a great feel when you go to a game. Yeah, Bill, and as you know, in St. Louis, you know, the weather's all over the place. So you just missed it yesterday. It was like summer here, and now yep. you're back, and now we're hitting winter time. So perfect time to get into St. Louis. Yeah, we came off the plane yesterday, and the humidity hit us. I was like, <laughs> what the heck is going on? You, know? you looked at the pilot and said, are you sure you took us to St. Louis, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I was like. What the heck is yeah, this? Is weird. That's well, a little Indian summer. Well, Bill, we always love getting the chance to talk with you. Of course, Blues fans that are listening know you had your hands in the Blues organization for some time in the drafting and developing, and now with this Arizona Coyotes team making them a competitive team right now in the Central Division. Uh, let's just start with with two guys that I know you were instrumental in drafting with the Blues, and Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. We've talked with you about these guys over the years, but are you starting to? see from them what you saw when you drafted them oh absolutely uh, both guys are tremendous players you know it takes a while to be a really elite player um at the nhl level um and you know you know they've, it seems like they've been around for a few years and they've been in the nhl now they're getting to their peak of of, of you know of their of their career and, and you can see it in the way that they play now and they're just true tremendous uh, hockey players i just cringe when they get the puck when, they, when we play against them i just get nervous you know <laughs> bill not not even necessarily talking specifically about them but in your position when you see young players what do you look for when you know okay this guy he's about to reach what we were looking for is there 
a skill? Is there something that happens mentally? What do you look for to know, okay, this guy's about to turn the corner and really hit his stride as a player? Well, the main thing is you can always see the, the talent come out, whether we, you know, it's Cage Thompson or Pareko or, or Thomas or Cairo. It's just consistency, being able to do it at a high level every night in the National Hockey League. It's consistency. And right when they get to that 24, 25, uh, you know, kind of age bracket, they, they, they kind of seem to find it a little bit more. And that's a hard thing to do at the National Hockey League. It's the best league in the world. And um, it's really hard to find that consistency of being a great player every night in the league. Uh, but you can see both them, Kyra and Thomas, are, are finding that more and more every night. And, and that, that has to do to their age and, and just maturing in the league. Is there a certain time frame or stretch, Bill, where you see it consistently and you say, okay, I think we've got something here? Because, you know, fans think, oh, well, if you see it for five games, you think you're on to something. But I would imagine a front office is looking for something a little bit more longevity-wise. Yeah, I mean, you, you, every night, you know, you, you want to push your, your, your young kids about consistency all the time. And they, they drive the bus. They're the two best players on the Blues. And they've got to play well every night for the Blues to give a chance to win. And, and so you've really got to push them uh, to, to work on that consistency and play at that high level every single night. Uh, because when they do, it's a difference maker. And, uh, and they've also got to come to terms with that as a young player, too. Um, that that they, they're directly responsible for having massive impact, whether we win or lose every night. We're talking to Bill Armstrong, the Arizona Coyotes general manager, former Blues assistant GM, now taking his talents down to Arizona. Uh, Bill, I, I did want to ask you as a general manager, whether it's your team or you're looking around the league and you're trying to get a gauge for where where different organizations are at, at what point do you feel like you have a good understanding of what you have with your team? Uh, well, Doug actually gave me some great advice when I was coming in as GM. He just said, listen, you're going to sit there for one year. Don't do anything. <laughs> watch, watch, watch your team as close as you can. Go to every single practice, every single game. Know your team inside and out, and then make the, the, the right moves uh, with the club. I, and I took that to heart. Um, you know, I, I went and observed as much as I could and, and got to know our team before we made moves. And, you know, I loved your comments in the offseason, Bill, because you talked about, you know, the narrative around the Arizona Coyotes was, oh, well, they're in a rebuild and they're stockpiling all these draft picks. But you talked about, hey, it's time to start winning as an Arizona Coyotes organization. And you put a lot of effort into that over the offseason. As a general manager, is there a certain point or are there certain things that you look for that you say to your staff, hey, it's time to stop focusing on not so much the future, but it's time to start focusing on going for it and winning now? Well, I think what we wanted to make sure was, do we have enough pieces to carry the club? You know, is there enough talent there that can help us be a really, really good team, you know, in the majority of nights? And, and we, and we, and we kind of looked at Clayton Keller and the Schmoltzes of the world and who we could acquire in the summer. And we said, listen, I think we can be a, a competitive club. I don't think we're a playoff club just yet, but what we can be is a competitive club that pushes to play meaningful games down the stretch. And at the same time, you know, we've got a whole bunch of uh, draft picks stockpiled and we've got a lot of prospects coming. So that buys us some time to, to now start to bring in our, some of our elite prospects over the next few years and kind of grow the team into where, you know, a team that has identity, uh, a, a team that we think we can win with down the stretch. Uh, but we want to be a more competitive club. We want to be a club that's in every single game and, and be very competitive when we play the big, the big clubs in the National Hockey League. We've done that so far and that's a great challenge for our organization and our coaching staff. 
Bill, do you feel like the Blues and the Coyotes are kind of in a similar time frame in terms of pushing to start competing again? I, I absolutely do. We're we're very similar um, as club. We're very even with with the Blues, so it's going to be a great battle tonight to see kind of who prevails. I know Clayton Keller loves to come home and play against the Blues. We don't. So we're banking on that. We don't like that at all, Bill. Not not yeah. one bit. It hasn't gone well since him at all. It hasn't gone well since the pandemic with that guy against the Blues, Bill. Yeah, yeah, he really likes to come home, and I'm just so happy he does. <laughs> yeah, we don't need him. We don't need Schmaltz. He can take all those guys back to Arizona with you. Go ahead and make them inactive tonight. I hope them they have the greatest seasons possible the rest of the way, just not against the Blues. <laughs> Bill, when you look at this Central Division and you think about, I mean, Colorado and Dallas, everybody kind of knew those teams were going to be up yeah. at or near the top of this division. Everybody else is right there when it comes to the points percentage. Is this going to be a division that that you feel like it's going to be that way the rest of the season? Oh, I think it's going to be a dogfight. I think, like you said, there's two elite teams in in our division. The rest, everybody's in that pool, and everybody's going to battle it out to see who gets in. So you never know know, if you can avoid some injuries and stay stay in the fight. Um, you know, and, and, you know, play well down the stretch, you get a chance to get in. So I think it's wide open. Bill, final question that I've got for you, and we always appreciate you hopping on with us on a day like this where your team's in St. Louis to take on the Blues. When I talk with somebody in your position early in a season, I always like to ask if you've seen anything trend-wise that has stood out to you, and it, it can be in any way, but is there anything that has stuck out to you so far this year, goal-scoring-wise, uh, trends in terms of schematics? Like, what what has caught your attention, Bill, when you look around the league early on this year? Well, I, I think people, the biggest trend that's happened in the National Hockey League, and you know, if you go back to the Ken Hitchcock days that when he was here, Ken, Ken was a masterful coach, especially at defense and getting the club to, to work hard, and he always called it the 200-foot game. And I think the game's changed in the sense that uh, how hard teams work on to create offense. Um, it's, it's the newest thing. It's the newest trend in the National Hockey League, and that's why you see the reason the goals are going way up in the game of hockey is because teams are working just as hard to understand how to play good defense is, is, is to work on the offense. It's not just your first two lines that they're expecting it from. They're expecting it from your third and fourth line, and teams are studying it. They're doing analytics on it, and everybody's trying to increase their skills so they can score more. Bill, always great to catch up with you, sir. Thank you so much for taking some time. I know you got a busy schedule in the middle of the season uh, for joining us here in St. Louis, and uh, we look forward to the matchup tonight, and hopefully you're going home a little bit more disappointed. No, listen, I, I, I can't vouch that we're going to go home disappointed. I hope it's the opposite of that, but I do thank you guys very much for having me on the show. Uh, it, it's been a pleasure, and uh, and hopefully we catch up down the down the road. Awesome, Bill. You're the best. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. There you go. Bill Armstrong, uh, general manager for the Arizona Coyotes, but, of course, a longtime assistant GM for the St. Louis Blues. You know what I like about him? His sense of humor? Uh, all of it. Because I just, do like that. <laughs> the, the willingness to just kind of come on and talk hockey. Yeah. Uh, that, He's a hockey is, guy, man. That is something that I love when, when general managers, decision makers, whatever, uh, around the league are willing to do that. I, I found it really interesting what he said there at the end about the trends around the league. And he was talking about how it's not just the top two lines anymore. you got to have skill throughout your lineup. Alex, if there's a next step for the Blues, that's it. Now, there's a lot of things that this team has to improve upon, but... I think they've had moments where their top six looks okay. I think they need improvements up in the top six, but there have been moments where it looks okay. 
The problem is when you look at the third line right now, and listen, there's no shot at anybody, but it's just the reality of where the Blues are at right now. When you look at the third line for the Blues and you match it up against legitimate contenders, it doesn't match up, man. Alexi Torpchenko as a winger on your fourth or on your third line compared to other teams that are contending for things that are meaningful this year. It's just not the same as what these other teams are putting out there in that spot. And the same thing I think you can say for Jakub Vrana, who I really liked coming into the season. I thought he could be a big piece for what the Blues were trying to accomplish. It hasn't worked so far. And there have been nights where he's playing 9, 10, 11 minutes of ice time for the Blues. So that is one spot that they absolutely have to improve upon. Their fourth line's been better. It's been an identity line. They are getting outshot in a really significant way, but it is what it is. That's a fourth line for you. Uh, but the, thir- the third line needs to improve. Uh, I thought what he said about, you know, one winning win to know when it's time to go for it. And he talked about it's kind of the development in place. And when you look at the available players out there and say, hey, we've got a good group in front of us. And that goes to the point that you're talking about, like your top six right now, you'd probably look at and you say, ah, I think we need a couple more pieces, but you kind of have to bide your time with this one before you know that the actual guys in place are ready to go. I just looked at this. Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz. You know how much um, how much bad press was put towards those two guys if these are not the pieces that are going to take the Arizona Coyotes into a winning way? Clayton Keller was in the trade conversations last season. This is their eighth season in the NHL. Both of them. Full season. First, or this is the eighth year. Robert Thomas is playing in his sixth full season, and Jordan Cairo is playing in his sixth full season. Like, Sometimes it takes a little bit of time before you get to the point where you say, hey, we got the pieces in place. Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz both had really a breakthrough season last year to where Arizona said, these guys aren't better than the pieces we have in place. So at some point, the Blues, and he also stated that he feels Arizona and St. Louis are in the same time frame. You look at it and you say, we've got these guys. Now, how do we build around it? Arizona's just started this season to start to build around it. And I think the Blues are about a year away before they hit that. Last year was Clayton Keller's age 24 season. He finished the year with 37 goals and 86 points. Last year was Jordan Kyrou's age 24 season. He finished with 37 goals and 73 points. Now, I think if you were to ask people around the NHL, who would you rather have? I think a lot of them would say Clayton Keller. And the reason why is probably because he's a little bit more of a well-rounded player, a little better distributor, a little better in terms of what the 200 foot game is, all of those different things. Right. I think what you're seeing this year from Jordan Cairo is that he might be ready to take that next step that yep. you saw last year. Clayton Keller take because previously Keller had never had more than 65 points in a season, 28 goals in a year. And then, boom, it all came together and it was like, oh, top line winger. This guy's great. Everybody would want Clayton Keller on their team. I think the hope is that that's what Jordan Cairo becomes this year. You're hoping for him to take the step this year, what Keller did a year ago. Yeah. And we'll see. So far, it's been positive returns. You just want him to finish more when when it comes to his goal-scoring production. But otherwise, everything else has been there for Jordan Cairo in Absolutely. 2023. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up tonight at 7 o'clock, you got Blues versus Coyotes. Kerber will have the call starting at 7. Alex has your pregame coverage right here on 101 ESPN. You're home for the Blues starting tonight at 6 o'clock. Coming up next, it's time for some NFL quick hitters here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A 
alongside Alex and T-Bone. I'm BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. It is time for some NFL quick hitters. Alex, let's start with the obvious. You have the Arizona uh, Cardinals, not Coyotes. No, they're tonight. I do have the pregame, though, starting at 6 o'clock. Coyotes in town tonight. Cardinals are playing on Sunday. You have them in our pick'em challenge against the Arizona Falcons. I do. A lot going on here. Damn. Let's take two. <laughs> take two. Restart the whole damn Kyler segment. Kyler Murray is getting a start for the Cardinals this weekend against the Falcons. That's what I'm trying to say. What are you expecting from Kyler in this one? Obviously, you think he's going to be okay because yeah. you like them to win. But Well, I think that's also I just think the Falcons are a terrible team. So, I sorry, Stoltz, if you're listening, buddy. I, I, I think I'm expecting Kyler to have a little bit of chip on his shoulder being out as long as he has been, although I did learn that Cod is coming out Friday, so might not be good for me right now. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm screwed. I should have looked into that. But, like, you're talking about a guy who, what was it, two years ago was taking his team to a playoff situation, and we were like, damn, Kyler Murray looks legit. Last year it didn't work well. Injury happens. I think you're going to see a versatile quarterback. I think you're going to see a mobile quarterback, especially against this Falcons team. The hard part with this is, you don't have a whole lot of weapons, so it might be underwhelming in the final score, especially if they blow it and I lose my one point game. But I mean, you made the best of a situation with Joshua Dobbs. So with Kyler Murray and his ability to run and you've got James Conner back, I'm expecting them to to look like the better team against the Atlanta Falcons. I, I think he's going to struggle. I, I think it's going to take him a week or two to kind of get back into the rhythm of things. And he's going to be busy this Friday. So I, I do expect the Cardinals offense to look kind of clunky at times. I think there's going to be times this weekend where you go, oh, wow, there, there's the Kyler that we saw. And then I think at times you're going to go, oh, what was he seeing? Or, oh, he shouldn't have made that play. Or, oh, boy, here he goes again. So I, I think it's going to be kind of a clunky ride for the first week or two now that he's back. Do you think they just lock him in their facilities for the weekend and just, like, don't tell him that Cod is out and probably. say, like, you can't leave until Sunday after the game? That's probably smart. I mean, they have that um, clause in his contract. No, they, no, no, no. He pushed back. Yeah, no, 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 it's no, not no, in no. there, man. You don't, you, you don't know his contract. So we continue with NFL quick hitters here on 101 ESPN. Not even a voice in his opinion on it. I want to play Cod with him. I was asked this question the other day, guys, and I didn't have a good answer. I want to hear if you guys do. Who's been the best quarterback in the NFL so far this year? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> uh... I'm serious. Like, who, who is it? By QBR, the ESPN statistic that they totally made up, but the nerds tell me that it matters. Uh, Josh Allen has been the best quarterback so far this How year. The, the rest of the top possible? five is Brock Purdy, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, and Justin Herbert. If you go by just quarterback rating, the one that we've been using for 100 years now, Tua has been the best quarterback in the league, followed by Brock Purdy, C.J. Stroud, Russell Wilson, and Lamar Jackson. Guys, who who is it? Who's been the best quarterback in your mind so far this year? I, I don't know if I could put a name on one. I, I, I would say you have to put Tua into that conversation. You have to put Dak. You have to put Mahomes. I'm not putting Josh. I'd put Jared Goff into that conversation before I put Josh Allen. Josh Allen has costed his team at least three games this season where Jared Goff, I mean, he had that interception streak or no interception streak leading up to what was it? Week six. So those would be the guys. Somebody said Lamar Jackson. The problem is the first three weeks of the season, Lamar Jackson looked awful. So from start to finish, I'm not sure you can pick one out because all of them have had their flaws this season. The thing is like, okay, so we're talking about Patrick Mahomes in this conversation. Mahomes hasn't been good though. Yeah. Like he's, he's thrown eight interceptions so far this year. And every week I watch the football games and I'm like, man, Mahomes is really struggling right now. And then I look at the numbers based on every statistical category. He's a top five quarterback in the league so far this year. 
And I think that represents a lot about what this this league has been so far in 2023. I mean, the two names that I would think right off the bat, one of them's hurt, Cousins. I thought Cousins was one of the best quarterbacks totally in the league. I totally agree. Uh, and, then he, and then he blew off the Achilles, which was a shame because they're making a playoff push. I think they could have made the playoffs with Kirk Cousins. I thought he'd been one of the best quarterbacks in football. The other one for me, and it, again, these are all not the name brand guys that you would expect. CJ Stroud looks like yeah. one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. So Honestly. I'm with you. <laughs> But you look at the last two weeks, what he had done, and it it, it didn't look he good. He did get outplayed by Bryce Young in that game. Yeah. And against the Saints, he threw for 200 yards. He completed less than 50% of his passes. He did throw two touchdowns, but threw a pick as well. Like, the last two weeks were not good for ZJ Stroud. And now, obviously, I, I think overall, he's been a really good quarterback this year. Only one interception is amazing. Um, and on, on the whole, I think he's definitely in the conversation. I'd say he's been a top five quarterback this year. But every single quarterback that we bring up, I think you said this, Alex, there's been one, two, maybe even three performances that are just like, man, what a dud. Can you put Joe Burrow in this conversation? Because if he had, I mean, his duds are explainable by the end of the year. But I think right now doing so would try to overlook that the first month of the season, while you can explain it by injury, yeah. he was not good. Yeah. He was he was a big part of why they were losing football games. And so I cannot put him in the conversation yet, although I do expect him to be there. Like if I was betting on the MVP today, a guy that I would like their odds for is Joe Burrow, because I think by the end of the season, it is entirely possible, maybe even likely, that he will be the guy that we're discussing in this conversation. It's been a weird year, man. It's it's why I think right now I would not have a quarterback as the MVP. I would have Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown both above any quarterbacks in terms of the MVP discussion. I think yeah, I would I'd have Miles Chris, Garrett above any quarterback. I'd have in the Christian MVP McCaffrey sure. above all of them, too. Man. I don't think this is a year where a quarterback, as of today, halfway through the season, is deserving of winning the MVP. I think by the end of the season, it's going to be Joe Burrow. I think so. Where's he at on the... The MVP discussion. Let's go ahead and BK's going to go throw. BK's going to throw away more money like he did with the Jets winning the division. Oh, buddy, if you think that I haven't already bet on Joe Burrow, you are sadly mistaken. He's at nine to one to win the MVP this year. Those are actually excellent odds. Yeah, I would absolutely take that right now. Tyreek Hill is still fifty to one. That doesn't make sense. AJ Brown one hundred and thirty to one. Those guys have been better than any quarterback, man. I know we only vote on quarterbacks in this league, but. That's nonsense. They've been better. How is Patrick Mahomes the favorite at plus 240? Because of the name. I don't know. Is there a game that you can point to? And correct me if I'm wrong here. I, I can't think of a game where I went, wow, Mahomes won that football game for him. No, because the one game would be the game that Travis Kelsey went off for like 185 yards and like four touchdowns. Like, I, I just haven't felt that way this year. And maybe like maybe he should be in that conversation for that game. But I, every game they've won, I've went, okay, they've kind of had to just fight their way through I thought he was really good against it. Minnesota. I thought he was really good against Minnesota. I thought he was excellent against the Chargers. And that is the game that you're talking about, Alex, where he he ended up throwing 180 to, um, to Travis Kelsey. But Minnesota's probably the game. That's so probably one game? One. Yeah. And, like, that's just not Mahomes-like. And I, I don't even think it's necessarily on Mahomes. Like, I don't think Mahomes became an incompetent no, quarterback. It's, it's the, the weapons around Yeah, him. the team decided not to give him anything. And I think defenses are... I don't even know why. I, I can't explain how it has happened. I really can't. But defenses have just clamped down these opposing offenses so far in 2023. But if you're curious uh, about the odds right now on MVP, Mahomes, as we said, plus 240 right now. Jalen Hurts is 3-1. to one. Lamar Jackson at 5-1 to one is an interesting bet right now Not as bad. well. 
Tua six to one, Joe Burrow nine to one, Josh Allen fourteen to one, and then you continue. Trevor Lawrence at nineteen to one, and finally you get a non-quarterback with Christian McCaffrey at twenty-nine to one. Tyreek Hill at fifty to one, C.J. Stroud at ninety-five to one. Damn, Ooh. you have three more. You have the rest of the season the way you played in that last game. That'd be some good money for you. I would have Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Christian McCaffrey, Miles Garrett, and Micah Parsons as my top five right now. I would not have a quarterback on the list. Just none of them been good. I can't even tell you who's been the best. So why would I have any of them as my number one guy? Can't do it because it's the quarterback award. Yeah, you're right. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll dive into the junk drawer. But next, we're going to play a game of Would You Rather with the Cardinals Free Agency Edition. ESPN put out some projections on all of the pitchers earlier today. I want to ask you, within these individual buckets, which court, which uh, starting pitcher would you rather have on the Cardinals at this price for 2024? We'll get into it next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I think they're in play for one of those guys. But I think playing B, the second starter, the third starter they add, to me, I would be shocked if Michael Waka was the second starter that they add to this rotation. Just don't expect to see Snell and Sonny Gray wearing Cardinal uniforms. It could be one of those big ticket starters with a plan B, plan C guy. That was Greg Amsinger on with a morning show earlier today alongside Alex and T-Bone. I'm BK. Coming up in just a little bit, we'll get into the junk drawer. Alex, I don't think any of us are anticipating the Cardinals signing two of Yamamoto, Nola, and Snell. Speak for yourself. None of us ever expected that to be the case. Now, could they sign Nola and Sonny Gray? No. Maybe? No. No. Sorry, they have to be proven about their money. Probably not, if we're being honest. So, they're going to dip into different buckets. They're going to get, like... Maybe they get Aaron Nola, and then they drop all the way down to Michael Waka. That's the kind of thing you could see them do. Or they go into the trade market to get their number one starter, and then they sign Sonny Gray and Nick Martinez. That's the kind of thing I, I think you can potentially expect going into the offseason. Earlier today, Kylie McDaniel, friend of the show, I think we can say. We share names. Yeah, we'll have him on Friday or Monday when BK's in in Austin. He put out his projections after talking to people around Major League Baseball on what he's anticipating these pitchers getting in free agency. And I'd like to play a game of Would You Rather with some of these free agents. Alex, we're going to dip into each of these three buckets, the top-end starters, the mid-tier starters, the back-end starters, and you tell me which of them you would rather have. You You understand the rules? I understand the rules, so I'm swiping left if I like it, right if I don't. (laughs) Basically, yeah. So, the first one up, we're going to go into the first box, which is the front-end starters, right? You don't get Yamamoto. He's not an option for you, unfortunately. Yep, you hate to see it. Soft off-season, am I right? I hate this game. Unbelievable. You can either have Blake Snell on a six-year contract worth $150 million. It's going to be $25 million per year, okay? Wow. Or, or... And both of these are coming from the projections that we just discussed from Kylie McDaniel on ESPN.com. You can have Aaron Nola on a five-year deal worth $120 million. That's $24 million AAV. So basically the same per year, but one of them, Snell, is a six-year contract. The other, Nola, is a five-year deal. Which would you prefer? I mean, this is obvious for me. It's Aaron Nola at five years. 
24 mil a year, five years compared to six years of Blake Snell, which if my projections are correct, I'm going, whoa, bacon right here. He'll be a bullpen arm for you in year four, five and six. And you're paying that $25 million a year. So uh, I'm going NOLA all day, every day, five years of 24 per. Here's Tanner. I don't give long-term contracts to young players, but Blake Snell, six years? Yes, sir. I think I would side with Nola. That's six years the thing that does it for me. And I know BK will yell at me about years because no, it's the same no, no, money. No. If this was a five-year deal, I, I would probably do it with Snell. But that six years is just a little really? too much for yeah, me. I would I, do it with Snell for five years. I, because I, I think I think four to five years seems like a fairly good deal for Snell. Because I think in year th- you're going to get three good years out of the contract, I think, no matter what the deal is that's signed from Snell. After that's where we might be having the conversation about a bullpen arm. So I would probably side with Nola. I'd rather do the five years. It's less money both over the long haul, and it is $1 million less yeah. AAV on the Snell deal. So I, I think I would take Aaron Nola here. Now, I, I want to acknowledge on the front end, I could do this exact same thing with Aaron Nola in a different way, and we'd be having the same conversation. But just out of curiosity, does it worry you at all that this was the first time in, like, five years that Blake Snell was both excellent in terms of ERA and also through more than 130 innings. No, 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 no. I ain't scared. Well, I'm scared just for like a four year deal. I ain't scared. Sure. Uh, that That's why I would go with Nola. I feel like I know what I'm getting with Aaron Nola. Now, famous last words. It's a pitcher. He could totally break in spring training and then you don't have him in the first year of the contract. And now you're like, whoa, okay. So I've signed this guy for stability and he wasn't even able to be stable for me in year one of the five-year deal. Totally acknowledge that you have to be open-ended to it, but five years, $120 million. I think I'm getting a steal here with Aaron Nola. So I, I would absolutely side with that side. I put this out on Twitter as well, by the way, you guys can get them uh, at BK sports talk. If you'd like to vote in them so far, 82% of the votes are in favor of Aaron Nola, which is kind of what I expected going into it. All right, second tier, tier two of the starting pitching market. Would you rather, Alex, sign Eduardo Rodriguez to a four-year contract worth $72 million? That's an $18 million per year basis. Jordan Montgomery, bringing him back, five years, $106 million, $21 million per year. Or Sonny Gray, the guy that we all think that the Cardinals are probably going to sign, Three years, $69 million, so $23 million per year. Rodriguez on four years at 18 per. Montgomery, five years, 21 per. Or Gray, three years, 23 per. Which would you prefer? I think I'd go Eduardo Rodriguez here. I, I, Jordan Montgomery, no, I'm not going down that path again. Um, it's between Sonny, Gore, Sonny Gray and Eduardo Rodriguez. Man, the hard part for me is $23 million, and I know it's only three years, but 23 mil, so if my math serves me correctly and we know how the Cardinals work, uh, there's no more moves unless you're making some type of significant trade. Sonny Gray in this scenario is basically getting the same per year basis as Aaron Nola, but he's getting it for three years instead of five. And Just I, to put that into context, what we're talking about there. And I know Eduardo Rodriguez, I, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm getting, but when he has been with the team, healthy and pitching it's amazing that you have to say I know. when he's been available when he's been in there, terms of being literally at the facility <laughs> 150 or more innings and you're talking about a guy who is going to give you 25 to 30 starts he's so a good starter man if i could get that for 18 mil and i'm putting him in a number two spot yeah i'm doing that every day of the week over sonny gray 
I think that would be mine as well. I, I think people have underestimated what Eduardo Rodriguez is because he's been doing it in Detroit. Like nobody wants to talk about the Detroit Tigers, and I don't blame any of you, any of you for it. He's not a great strikeout guy. He doesn't have the same swing and miss as Sonny Gray, but he's got some strikeout stuff. And he's got really good location for the most part. I I think Rodriguez would be the guy that I'm going with. It's fewer years in Montgomery. It's a lot less money than Sonny Gray on a per year basis. I would go Eduardo Rodriguez and see what that opens up for me elsewhere. I I think I would take Sonny Gray. I I think he's just got the best stuff of these three. And I hear what you guys are saying with Eduardo Rodriguez. I I don't have a good feel for Rodriguez. I, I don't know why. And I don't think the industry does either. I think it's why his contract's projected so low. I'm definitely not giving Monty five-year contract. That, I'm not doing that. Yeah, agreed. I, I think Sonny Gray's got the best stuff, and it's shorter term, and I understand that it's going to bring the AAV up, but I would want him as my number two. And if, if you tell me that that means I'm going to squeeze myself out of the five, then okay, I'll go trade for somebody to be that number five what and bring in more depth. One? If and I sign not Gray— I, I think they're off-season. If you said to me, okay, I actually have to operate on the budget, I would trade for Cease then. I, I would trade for Cease, I'd then sign Sonny Gray, and then I would spend on our number so five. So maybe this is a good way to frame it. Would you rather trade Nolan Gorman and others, but just like that's the that's the headliner, Nolan Gorman for Cease and then sign Sonny Gray, or, and by the way, you're losing a second-round pick in that scenario as well by, by signing Sonny Gray, or sign Aaron Nola, you lose a second-round pick there, so that's a one-for-one, one, and then... Sign Eduardo Rodriguez. Which one would you prefer? I would probably go the trading route, and I don't want to get and rid you of get Gorman. A third starter. I do not. Yeah, I, 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 I actually, would go the third. I would I'd go, go that trading route. route too because as much as I like Rodriguez over Sonny Gray, you do need strikeout stuff. Yep. And the only way you're going to get that is in a trade because I don't think the guys that you should be signing that has strikeout stuff benefit you in the long run. In the poll, forty-seven percent agree with you guys, Sonny Gray. 37% say bring back Jordan Montgomery. That would be my last choice of these options that are available. Oh, yeah. And then 15% are with me going with Eduardo Rodriguez. All right, final one here. This is the number five starter range, right? The guys that you're bringing in to round out whatever it is that you've done in your rotation. I think these are the the types of pitchers that we're going to be discussing in this range. There are others that we could throw into the mix that are more bounce back candidates. But if you're looking for more certainty slash swing guys, I think these are the players that are probably going to be discussed for the Cardinals. Would you rather? There are four of them. Seth Seth Lugo. Three years, $36 million. Michael Lorenzen, two years, $28 million. Michael Waka, two years, $26 million. Or Nick Martinez, two years, 25. So basically everybody is two to three years at 12 to $14 million. And it comes down to which of these pitchers do you want? Alex, when you think about those four guys, who to you stands out among the mix? I think I would go Seth Lugo or Nick Martinez because that third guy is a starter, but also a bullpen arm for me. And I'm not sure Michael Waka can be that for you. Um, and who was the uh, who was the other one? Lorenzen. Lorenzen. Yeah, I mean Lorenzen has been a bullpen guy, but I'm not sure you're going to get the best out of Lorenzen in the starting side of it. I I think I would lean more towards Seth Lugo because it seems he's at least mastered that art of being somebody that you can use as a spot starter or somebody consistently as a five starter. And then if Zach Thompson takes off, or if you've got more guys that look like they're starting to be competent rotation arms, I could put Seth Lugo in my bullpen. He can also be very effective. If Lugo's deal comes down to two years, I'm in on Seth Lugo. If it's going to be Three, four years, I'm out. I, I don't think you should be handing out a three, four-year deal for a guy that's a swing man slash number we'll five starter. this year. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the mistake they made with the Mats deal was it just ended up being too many years for a guy in the mid-tier market. This is the below mid-tier market. So 
I would actually take the side of Michael Waka. I, I think that's where I'm at too. I, I think I can't I, believe I, I'm here. I but under, here we are. I understand what you were saying, where he just hasn't come out of the bullpen. He's done a little bit, but my yeah, whole goal of bringing in Waka is I'm going to bring him in as a true starter, and then Zach Thompson is the depth guy. And then when Waka gets hurt after 20 starts, or he only makes 20, 23 starts, Thompson then fills in. That's how I ideally visualize the offseason: is Waka fills in 20 of that number five spot, Thompson fills in the rest. I think that's where I would be as well. My number two, though, would be Nick Martinez. Nick Martinez would be my second option out of this group. I would go Waka one, Martinez two, Lugo three. That third year does scare me. I'm totally with you on that, T-Bone. And then Michael Lorenzen would be my last option from this group. More money. I don't know that he's significantly better than these guys that we're talking about. So that would be my ranking of them. I think Michael Waka is just a good pitcher, man. He's found who he is as a starter. Now, That does not mean that he's going to be excellent. You're expecting him to throw like 120 to 130 innings for you next year. You're not expecting him to be some wipeout guy that's going to come in and strike out 10 batters per nine innings. That's not who he is. But if you want him to be really solid for you in that number five spot as as a starter for you, he's more than capable of becoming that for you. And I think the same thing could be true to an extent of Nick Martinez. Now, the question is, do they want more of a number five starter or more of a bullpen arm? Martinez falls more into the bullpen arm. Waka is more of the starter. And depending on what they get at the front end of, of the rotation, I think that will help to describe what they want out of the back end of their rotation. And it's why when yesterday I saw the quote from John Mosellock saying, hey, we want to get two starters first, then take a step back, reevaluate where, we're, where we are, and then we'll kind of continue on and finish out the offseason. I think that's really what he's talking about there. Depending on what they get as their top two guys in the rotation, that will inform their decisions on back end of the bullpen versus back end of the rotation. So I I think I would go Michael Walker here, but I find all of these to be really close calls, man. And this is where the Cardinals just have to get the evaluation right. They cannot be wrong. They got to go three for three, too. They can't miss on any of these dudes. And when you get into that scenario, I think you try to mitigate risk. And the less risk comes with Aaron Nola, Sonny Gray, and Seth Lugo, probably. Like those are the three guys that have the least amount of risk of the three buckets that we just discussed. I, I don't know if that third bucket has anybody that's mitigated risk. Yeah. Because that was the first this was the first year Lugo was a true starter. I mean, previously, but had you know been he's just been good in, a bull, in the bullpen. Yeah. So yeah. At, at worst case scenario, you got a twelve million dollar bullpen arm, which guess what? That's what all these guys are getting anyways. Like you look at what people are projecting right now for Jordan Hicks or Ronaldo Lopez or uh, who was the other one? Michael, I forget his last name, but uh, the other the other one Robert, that's coming from Robert Tam- Stevenson, Tampa Bay. Yes, Stevenson. Um, th- those guys are all projected ten to twelve million dollars on a three year deal right now too. So it's pretty similar in terms of what you're getting from Lugo. I part of me. The third starter, I there are two other names that I'd bring up. One in a trade, and I heard Stoltz and them discuss this yesterday about Alec Manoa finding a way to try trade for him with the Blue Jays. Oh, we're getting to that third starter, and then the other one for me. I I got this fascination with Luis Severino, and I know the injuries are, are nervous, but I mean, at his best, we're talking about a guy who could be a number three for you. Somebody on the text line said, "Guys, you all just went way over budget." It wasn't about like. Is this oh, well. the off season that the Cardinals will have? Damn but it. If you were shopping in these individual buckets, which one would you? Why prefer? didn't you make us more prudent about the decisions Wait, we were hold making? On. Since when is the text line worried about the budget? Three one four three nine 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 six four six is the air comfort service text line. If you would <laughs> well, like thanks, to get Mo. involved in the show, coming up in about fifteen minutes or so, it is time for our baseball off season roundup. But, but next, it's time for the junk drawer here on one hundred and one ESPN. 
We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week. BK, Alex, I heard somebody say something yesterday. I was like, people actually do that? Is that a real thing? Okay. So I wanted to ask you to get your thoughts on it. Because you probably know I do it, don't you? So I was reading this story, and it was this whole thing, and basically what I want to get out of it is, do you guys eat while you're in the restroom? (laughs) Would you consider doing that? Oh, hell yeah, I would. Whether you're on the toilet or you're getting ready to hop in the shower, whatever it might be. Not because you're in a rush, but... I'm looking for a calming environment, and therefore, <laughs> the place that I can find it is the restroom? Calming environment thing? might not be the way to go with this, but it's an environment nonetheless. You do that? I'm out. I've, I've done it. I'm all about time. <laughs> I'm all about time equity, you know? Trying to make sure that I use my time wisely. You're telling me that you guys have never looked at your toilet in the bathroom and said, there's a table right next to it. No, not once. So rather than sitting facing forward, it's just turn around and you got a little table that you can have your breakfast. So it's like if I turned this chair around, yeah, basically, just like this, you're going to sit on it. Like AC that. Slater style. And just T-Bone ran. has to get that reference. Yeah. Just started eating off of the, yep. the back of the toilet. Yep. Yeah. Look at this. You wake up in the morning and you're thinking, man, I have, I'm in a rush. I need to eat breakfast. I got a shower. I got to brush my teeth. I can do all of that in one sitting. I'm going to sit down, drop the trousers, eat some food, hop in the shower, brush my teeth because breakfast is already wow. done. I've already had the morning bathroom uh, 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 go around. And now I just get out, put clothes on, and I'm out the door. Now, we've got a lot of people that are texting in that's, that are suggesting shower beers are excellent. Shower coffee's that's excellent, too. I agree. I've had shower, shower coffee. beers are a top five beer. Oh, yeah. Right after a lawn mowing beer, right after a workout beer. Those are, I think shower beer might be three. You know, patio beers are always excellent as Solid well in the choice. summer. I don't know. You guys are missing out on the toilet breakfast. (laughs) I'm out. I don't want my food going in that room. Look at me. Look, I'm not talking about having a steak dinner in there. I'm talking about in the morning when you're in a rush, you know, you might just pop in a Pop Tart while you're sitting down going to the restroom. Somebody on the text line said, when you guys have kids, you'll realize that the bathroom is the only time that you have time alone. And look, I, would, I, I understand that. I just don't want my food in the bathroom right. with me. It's going While I'm in doing somewhere. my business, look, I don't the want other to be factor into food. This, this thing's a great place to take a nap. Like, you're just sitting there and you finish your breakfast. You're reading. You're getting up to date on all the sports stories, reading. And the next thing you know, man, I could shut my eyes for five minutes and just <laughs> out cold on out the toilet. Everything that you need to do as a human. Drinking. Eating, sleeping, taking care of your business. You do all in the bathroom. Alex is like, why don't I do this in the bathroom? I can get all of this done. My morning is essentially done in 15 minutes. Look, I do. Sometimes when you got IBS, by the time you finish your food, you're going oh, there anyway. Gosh. So why not just take care of it there? Somebody said, guys, this show is almost bearable when you're talking about sports, but this tips it over the edge at times. <laughs> I mean, you think it tips it over the edge. I'm just basically telling you, save some time. 
Coming up in 15 minutes. Take advantage of your appliances is what I'm trying to get at, T-Bone. You're just Joey Vitale is going to join the show. He is being inducted tonight into the uh, the Hall of Fame. Northeastern Hall of Fame. For Northeastern. So we're going to congratulate him on that. We'll talk to Joey about what he's expecting from Joel Hofer, who's expected to start in net for the Blues tonight, and Scott Perunovic, who's getting an opportunity in the lineup too. So we'll get into all of that with Joey Vitale coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, it is time for the latest edition of the baseball offseason roundup. Yeah! You're on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. favorite time i love it Me i love too, it so man. much i'm gonna miss this while i'm in austin this weekend i'm gonna just start walking around in austin texas be like yeah, yeah! you're oh, going to the there? you're good jesus you sound like a dying chicken <laughs> you're going to the you're going to the we've got a farm animal yeah. in the studio someone let the goose out of the back backyard you're going to like the crown jewel of roundups yeah, gonna be great. you should be wa- you need to buy you yourself some your chaps. cowboy hat yeah i'm, gonna, some go, I'm gonna find bebo bebo the uh bebo? The justin Longhorns bebo live mascot oh you're gonna steal them and bring them back to st louis absolutely he's gonna yeah. come on the plane with us i'm in hell yeah as brother. you know as a father who has flown before with children I'm flying with everything else, so I might oh, as well yeah. bring Bevo back with us. Oh, yeah. We went to Disney World, and I think we Ooh. packed our entire house. Although, it's I'll insane. tell you, my wife is a champ when it comes to packing things in a very little time, like in a small. We got to Disney World for four days with one suitcase. Oh, wow. That's yeah. impressive. And two carry-ons. It was impressive. We're, we're, we're not doing that. Well, uh, you should call uh, my wife. She'll get you on board. All right. Let's get into our baseball offseason. Roundup. Yeah. Let's start with the latest update on the Cardinals. This comes from John Din at Cardinals.com. Cowboy. <laughs> Some, someone horse needs to be taken out back. Somebody on the or John Denton was talking with John Mozeliak yesterday. By the way, the GM meetings have been canceled. Why? I don't know if you guys saw this. What there. happened? Sick. The norovirus is going through. Oh shoot! I've had the norovirus. <laughs> I get it. Been there. Don't, is don't that blame why, you at all. Is that why Mo didn't really get his message out correctly the first day of it because he was sick? So I get it, Mo. Mo said yesterday, quote, we certainly feel like we need at least two starters. I think we have some bullpen talent that we could arrange, but we're not going to close ourselves off to the reliever market either. We are going to take a more patient approach on that to allow other things to take place. Then Denton reported that the Cardinals have approximately $143 million on the books. They could have approximately $50 million to spend this offseason. Alex... Does this make you feel better than the reports that came out the other day about the Cardinals? Yeah, $50 million makes me feel a lot more optimistic than Mo using the word prudent about our decisions and thinking that this team's going to spend $30 million and say, great offseason, guys. Uh, I'm still concerned on what the level of talent the two starters are going to be. And now Mo's pushing back on the third starter because our internal options are so great because, you know, what we saw from Matthew Libertor down the stretch gave us real optimism. Uh, but if you've got $50 million to spend it does give me a little bit more hope that they're going to be aggressive in the right fronts and bring in the right guys. I don't know why, but now that I know the number, I don't feel any better. In fact, I might feel worse. <laughs> why? Because, because they're going to spend 50 million like on Michael Walker. True. No, because I, 
I now know they've probably got to trade for a <laughs> They're starter. Getting Lugo, and they probably got to get rid of Gorman, and I don't want to do that. $50 now million I don't feel better about it. Lugo, Waka. I've been telling you this I know, long. but I, I don't listen to you. You know, now that Mo's telling me reality, I don't like it. That's fair. I like it better when Mo didn't say anything. Uh, then I could just speculate all I want. This comes from Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Oh, hold on. Did you just transition? Yeah. Quote, there is not an abundance of hitters on the open market for teams that are looking for an upgrade in their lineup. This is where the Cardinals come in. Outfielders Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson are two players that the Cardinals expect to receive interest from this winter. The Cardinals have also collected infield depth on the roster in case there is a move for a starter that requires them to deal one of their left-handed hitting infielders. Checks the roster. Gorman and Donovan would fit into that criteria. Guys, it sounds like the trade route might be in play for the Cardinals. Let's go through a few of the options. Again, this comes from Derek Gould. Let's start with the Yankees. Oh, that is geez. a team that has been mentioned in discussions for the car- with the Cardinals for, I mean, years, honestly. Here but comes at back least Schmitty. over the next few months. Nope. Clark Schmitty, ladies and gentlemen. According to Derek Gould, the, Cardinals, the, the Yankees see the Cardinals as a team that they could line up with for a trade. He adds that at the trade deadline, the Cardinals were looking for young pitchers from the Yankees such as Clayton Beater. He is a triple-A pitcher for them right now. He's a pretty high upside type of a player. He also says that the Cardinals had interest in one of their relievers. The Yankees had interest in the deadline in Dylan Carlson. We don't know where that stands right now, but they've been talking to the Cardinals about Donovan and Burleson as two guys that they would like. I would not trade Donovan for anybody that I currently see available from the Yankees. I I don't see a pitcher from them that would be realistic that I would trade Brendan Donovan. For. I'm not trading Brendan Donovan for anybody who's in AAA. I agree. I'm trading Brendan Donovan for a major league baseball established pitcher. Now you want to talk Burleson? That's a different conversation. Those are two very different calibers of players. But I even but... feel like Burleson's also in this conversation to where like I'm, I'm only attaching him in a package for somebody in the major leagues. Like if you're giving me Clayton Beater, he'll take... be in the he'll be in the Cardinals rotation next year. So he's not a guy that's like I in get a it, TK Roby. But range. I haven't seen it at the major league level, and I'm not. I'm the only guys that I'll put in for a Clayton Beater is. Take your pick. Carlson, O'Neal, Juan Yepes, Sejaci, any of these guys. guys. Are getting you him. Well, then I'm not making a deal with them because I, Burleson and Donovan are going for major league talent. I, I would trade Burley for Beater. I, I would. I Burley doesn't really have a solidified role here. And what I mean by that is a solidified starting role. I think he's got a role as a bench bat here. But if you're telling me I can trade a bench bat for Clayton Beater, who's got maybe a little bit of upside and you've got control on as a number five starter for the next six, seven years – then yeah, I think I'm willing to pull off that deal. Now, I'm not adding much more in that package. It's basically got to be a one-for-one swap, but I agree with you guys. I wouldn't do it for Donovan. I would do it for Burley, though. Yeah, Clayton Beater, for those curious, is 25 years old. This past season, he split the year in AA and AAA through 130 innings overall, which is pretty damn good compared to what you see from most of these prospects. He did have his struggles, though, last year at AAA. Had a high strikeout rate. He's had a high strikeout rate his entire minor league career, but walks the world. He's got a a walk issue. He was walking five batters per nine innings, and this is something that's been a sustained issue for him in his entire career. And while he was at AAA, had a 4.95 ERA, and according to some of the advanced numbers, he actually got a little lucky to have a 4.95 ERA last season. All hitter-friendly parts. Why don't we all get lucky, you know? Continuing along with our baseball offseason. Roundup! Yeah! Another AL East team is reportedly interested in a Cardinals outfielder. According to Ben Nicholson-Smith, a baseball writer for Sportsnet, 
The Blue Jays are looking at potentially moving on this offseason from Alec Manoa. And he wondered, could Dylan Carlson be the type of player that they would look at to acquire for Alec Manoa? Alex Manoa, this past offseason, was horrendous and then was sent away and basically disappeared for the second half of the year. Two years ago, though, he was an all-star and was considered to be one of the better pitchers in the sport. Would you consider buying low on Alec Manoa? Yes, 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 and yes. I mean, this is, look, it might blow up in your face, but if I'm not mistaken, he's still pretty cost-effective, and you got, what, a couple years tied up in it before you'd have to really pay him? 2028 is when he would be a free agent. I mean, yes. You're basically trading out a guy that you really couldn't get the best out of, and you hope maybe the reclamation project works elsewhere, and you're bringing in the same guy. I mean, this guy was sent down to AAA for Toronto last year because they couldn't figure out what's wrong with him. Now, the Cardinals are the uh, they're not the poster child of figuring out what the issue is for starting pitchers, but maybe they fix this. I would do this in a heartbeat. And frankly, this is the this would be a move I would jump on right now. A lot of risk. I mean, it, it's possible he doesn't pitch for you. next. But year. I'm not just doing this like I'm also doing Nola and Gray and probably bringing in another. You, if you're doing this, you, you've got him as your five starter next year. Yeah. He's competing with Thompson and those other guys. But that my are five starter has the upside of being an ace. Absolutely. But he's also got the downside of not throwing a pitch for you. And it's not costing me anything other than a guy who might not be in the outfield for me How next year. I don't think I would do it. You piss. I, I, I saw Manoa pitch this year. I, something's broken, and I don't know if I want to try and fix it. I would rather get some more certainty to bring in instead of having bringing in a guy that's competing with Thompson and them to be the five. I, I just think Manoa's broken. I, I don't know if they're fixing him this year. I'm trying. I, I would genuinely be curious on the text line. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. What is the comparison for what has taken place with Manoa? Where suddenly, just overnight, he goes from third in the Cy Young voting to potentially never being a significant pitcher again in the major leagues. I I can't remember a time where there was that kind of a career arc without there being significant injuries in play. And it doesn't seem like that's the case. It seems like this is something mentally that's gone wrong with him. Maybe you need a new place. Maybe. And so that is why I would probably do it. I would. I'm saving a lot of money here. And that's part of what I'm factoring in. If I'm trading Dylan Carlson, who I don't think is going to be a significant part of their planes next year for Alec Manoa, he's costing me nothing. So that's a million dollars for my number five starter potentially next year. Now I can go out and do Nola plus Sonny Gray. And I've got some flexibility still if I end up trading somebody like Tyler O'Neill. That, that is something that could really make some sense for them. I trade Tyler O'Neill. Now I can add a five, five to $10 million reliever as well. I'm cooking with gas here, man. You add Sonny Gray, Aaron Nola, Alec Manoa to this roster. You got some serious upside in that rotation. God, yeah. And I've got a lot of stability at the front end to make up for the potential and, liability. Uh, I mean, how is much Alec is Carlson Manoa? making next year? Nothing. But, well, but what I'm saying is like it's it's offsetting money. You're bringing in a guy who's making nothing for a guy who's making nothing. And I know there's a group that's listening right now thinking, well, Dylan Carlson's a star. You just haven't given him a chance. Yeah, I'm past that now. And I'm, I got a dude who could be an ace and has only been in the majors for two years. The real it's really to me not even about the Dylan Carlson part. It's about the opportunity cost of acquiring Alec Manoa and slotting him into the number five spot in your rotation instead of one of those other guys that we were talking about previously. So it's Manoa versus going and spending 10 to $12 million on a Nick Martinez a Michael Walker, Seth Lugo, et cetera. That's really the question that you've got to ask there is, are you comfortable enough with Manoa 
to say that he's going to outperform those guys or that it's worth it given the money that you're able to spend there. And I I think my answer would be yes. I am with you, Alex, but it is certainly a risky proposition. All right, final thing here. We'll get to this really quickly before we get to Joey Vitale on the other side on our baseball offseason. Roundup! Yeah! I'm running out, of, running out of gas here, guys. According to Ken Rosenthal, the Brewers are selling everything. They're done. They're blowing it up. This is over. So we could get Corbin Great Burns? Council was the final straw for them. Yes. It sounds like even if they Let's want, if you wanted to call them on Christian Yelich, they might listen to you right now. Ooh. We can all agree Brewers not somebody that the Cardinals have to worry about next year, right? But you just said. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they're done. <laughs> Town ain't big enough for the two of us. Draw! But it is big enough for the Cardinals and the Cubs. Yeah. That is the top of the division now. You didn't draw, man. Coming up next, Joey oh. Vitale, Blues <laughs> Analyst for 101 ESPN oh. and Valley Sports Midwest here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Joey Vitale views things a little differently. Just imagine how he looks at hockey. This is The View from Vitale, brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Alex, there is one thing that Adam Ottavino and Joey Vitale have in common. Oh, yeah? And it's not that they have both once been in St. Louis. It is that they are both Hall of Famers for Northeastern University. As of today, our friend Joey Vitale getting inducted into the Northeastern Sports Hall of Fame. Joey, first of all, a huge congratulations from all of us here at 101 ESPN. How you doing today, my friend? Joey, Joey, Joey. Ah, you're a Hall of Famer. <laughs> hey, this, is, this isn't good for my ego. I, I, need to be, I need to be checking my ego in every now and then. This is not healthy for me, but... At the same time, I, I appreciate you guys, and I appreciate it. Yes, I'm in Boston now. I, I actually just left uh, talking to the, the men's hockey team. They're off heading to practice right now, so the uh, head coach, uh, Jerry O'Keefe, asked me to come in and chat with the fellows. So just leaving there and, and walking down the streets of Huntington Ave here in Boston as we speak. Joe, what was the motivational speech before practice? Was it about hockey, or was it about male or female anatomy? Hey, you know what, Alex? I appreciate asking that. I, I kept it. I kept it between the lines because, listen, I, I don't get a chance to talk to these kids all that often. So I didn't want them thinking I was a complete weirdo and wacko. But uh, no, I kept it. I kept it very, uh, very, very hockey based, and you know, just you know, sharing my experiences and this organization and uh, this team and has really taken on a life of its own up here. My, my freshman year, we only won three games the entire season, and of course, now you look at Northeastern as a a uh, continual powerhouse year after year. So uh, with, you know, O'Keefe and Jim Madigan, great Cronin, now the Ducks coach here in the NHL, certainly all part of this, um, this moving part of history, which is such a, such a terrific team. But uh, I just told them to, to enjoy the moment. And uh, the best advice I got was what I conveyed to them is, uh, is what Richard Park and, and pretty much Brooks Orpic, uh, two different co- uh, conversations had with me in my playing days, which is you just want to be at peace when this, when this whole thing's over. I'm looking around the locker room. I see seniors, I see freshmen, I see first-round draft picks, I see undrafted players, and it's just a conglomerate of kids. But, you know, they, they all have the same desire. They all have that burning desire to, to accomplish what they want to accomplish, which is to play in the National Hockey League. And, and I just conveyed to them what, what Richard Park and Brooks Orpik, my former teammates in Pittsburgh, on separate conversations, uh, the discussion with me, which was when I was struggling and, and had a lot of uncertainties in my career, 
you know, basically the message was, you know, continue always, always, always to focus on what's in your control and just showing up and being focused with that determination every single day. If you do that, and that's what I told the kids, it goes, you guys do that every single day. You know, I promise you one thing. I can't promise you're going to make it to the NHL, but I can promise you that, you know, you're going to, you're going to end this thing with, uh, with a level of peace, you know, in your heart and your soul and your mind. And that's, that's essentially what every player wants. You, you want to walk away from this game whenever it happens. Knowing, looking back that, man, I just, I did everything I could every single day. Cause if, if that's the feeling you're left with, that's going to be a good feeling. I promise you, you're going to be okay. Joey, I am a little upset with you because I didn't know this until today as I looked it up. You and Jamie Alexiak went to the same school and you didn't help us get him yeah. here in St. Louis. That what was the, that was Alex's guy, what the man. Hell, man. You know it. You know it. The big O. The big O. He was he was a trailblazer here of the St. Louis. Bruce Racine. Uh, all the guys. The, I mean, the big the big fellow in the back end. Alexiak was here. Adam Gaudet who's now uh, the leading yeah. goal scorer right now in the American Hockey League for your, your, your truly Springfield, uh, the Springfield Thunderbirds, the Blues Farm, I'm waiting for him to get called up. There's a lot of NU alums floating around the league now, guys. Look out. Man, was he always a Mongoon Joe? Was he always like the, the toughest man on the ice? I remember him on the visit. I remember there was just this, I thought it was like someone's older brother or like, <laughs> from like this guy doing like fighting overseas or something. He was just this like mean green guy. Uh, just had an attitude about him on, on, on his visit. I think it was my senior year. He was still two years away, I think, from, from college. But he was twice the size of everyone we went out with, and he was just an absolute moose. So, no, I remember, I remember him very well, and it's, uh, it's great to see him, and as well as all these other uh, great NU alums, Levi, goaltender for Buffalo, certainly doing some great things in the league as well. Uh, this, is, this has become slowly over the last two decades. Uh, like I said, it's been a, it's been a school that – uh, it used to be the bottom feeder where whoever didn't get into BC, BU, and Harvard would go Northeastern. Uh, now it's kind of flipped a little bit. They're on the same level as all these schools, and they have so much to offer. Uh, so it's great to see that. Yeah, I mean, Josh Manson went there as well. My guy, yeah, Zach Aston-Reese, is from there. Yeah. Like, you guys exclusively produce mutants. <laughs> all of these guys are like 6'5 and 240 pounds, Joe. It doesn't make any sense. It's something in the it's in the Fenway Wada. It's in the Wada. <laughs> all right, or the Joe. Chowda. Let's talk a little bit about this Blues team before we get you out of here and let you get on with your day, which is obviously just such an awesome day for you, man. We're, we're all so incredibly happy for you. Um, the, it does look like Scott Perunovich is going to get an opportunity in the lineup tonight. He's going to be out there for the power play as well. What are you expecting out of Scott Perunovich tonight? You know, just to get into a rhythm. You know, I, I've been – if there was one player, you're like, gosh, we got to get him in. Gosh, we got to get him in. And you show up to the game and you, know, you look at the roster and you see – you see number 48 still out. You're like, man, we got to figure out a way to get this young man in the lineup. Uh, different reasons than like a Robert Bortuzzo. Robert Bortuzzo, a very different player, different time in his career. He knows that he's looking at, you know, between 30, 40 games this year, maybe. Uh, hopefully some injuries on his end would, would kind of benefit him to get in. But he's a 30, 40 gamer, and he knows it, right? And he's at the tail end. He's just looking to contribute any way he can. Scott's very different. Scott needs to get in there. He needs to get some rhythm. He's got to find the reps. He's got to, you know, get beat one-on-one. He's got to be battling in the front of the net. You know, get out there and hear, hear the oohs and the ahs and the boos on the power play and, and feel what that's like. But to do, it, uh, to do it three, four, five games in a row is going to really, really benefit Scott. I'd like to see him get in there and, and really find a good three or four games. One thing about Craig Berube, he understands what it was like to be a player, to be out for five, six games, to come in from, for one, play minimal minutes, and then get booted again. It, it's hard. It's really hard to find a rhythm when you're just coming in every so often and then getting pulled right back out. So I think with Scott Prudovich coming in, regardless of how he plays tonight, I think he's going to get another opportunity in Colorado on Saturday, and then you move on to Tampa at home uh, next Tuesday. I, I do believe we're going to see a, 
a grouping of games for him to try to get him up to speed. You know, I think Tyler Tucker had a great start to the season. I think his gaps and his, his closures have been a little bit slow lately. I think they see that. Um, so it, it's a perfect opportunity to get a young Scott Prunovich in there, move it around, snap it around. I think moving the puck tonight is going to be a huge thing with this Arizona Coyotes team that loves transitions. Have a player back there that can make a good tape-to-tape pass is going to be a benefit here for St. Louis. Joey, we appreciate the time, man. I know this is a huge day for you, so to take a little bit out of it to come on here with us and deal with our shenanigans, <laughs> we, we genuinely appreciate it. Enjoy yourself up in Boston, and we'll talk with you yeah, again soon. Congrats, buddy. Hey, sounds good, boys. Hey, I appreciate you guys as well. You guys have a great rest of the show. We'll talk to you next week. Awesome. Absolutely. That's Joey Vitale, Blues Analyst for 101 ESPN and Valley Sports Midwest. If you missed the news, he's being inducted today into the Northeastern Sports Hall of Fame. Just an unbelievable honor, man. It's so cool. I mean, I, Mizzou certainly would never uh, induct me into any any kind of Hall of Fame. Oh, sure. man, but I, in all seriousness, I hope Lyndon like, puts me in one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Randy Shout was. out, Lyndon, if you're listening. Listening, uh, you know, I'm ready. Pretty sure Amzinger and... Yeah, they Randy are. are in it. Yeah, there's, they are. But Dan is in it, I think. I just, there are yeah, a lot probably. of guys that are not yeah. named I'll get Alex there. Ferrari. I'll get there. Why, why'd you have to say it like that, man? Damn. Well, well, now you're cut out of my acceptance speech. Totally fair. Tebow, you, yeah, you could be in it. My first thanks would be to my great producer, Tanner yeah. Hendrickson. Uh-huh. Nice. Not my wife, not my family. Yeah, yeah. Just what? Tanner Hendrickson. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly number two. It's an amazing honor for Joe. <laughs> What were we talking about? And uh, he deserves all of it, man. He's one of the one of the greatest people that you'll ever meet. Yeah, I mean, he was a captain of the team his junior season. Of course, made it to the NHL, played with Sidney Crosby. I mean, what a career! And uh, it's awesome for Joey V. And and I know his wife's up there, his parents are up there with him. So it's going to be a really cool weekend. Uh, And for those that are wondering, he's in Boston. He's not on the call tonight. Mike McKenna is actually filling in for Joey V. um, on this game tonight with Chris Kerber. Coming up in about fifteen minutes or so, we will hit the BK and Ferrario rewind. But, hey, man, it's Thursday. Getting ready to go out on vacation. There was only one way to get out of here in the 130. My voice isn't ready for this. Toughen up. The the weather is kind of messing with mine as well. We're going to really lean on T-Bone in this. This is how I'm getting into the Lewis and Clark Hall of Fame right here. With your singing? Yeah. Believe it or not, it's next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You give us a scenario, we'll tell you if we are believing it or not here on 101 ESPN. That just hits a little different yeah, when actually, you're going on vacation the next just, day. Was it was flying away on a wing in a prayer because... Oh, are you so. going to be humming it while you're on your plane tonight? Dude, I'll be honest with you. Last night when I thought about... When I was going through our rundown, because I start setting stuff up and I sent it to you guys last night, I started singing it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, not going to lie. lie. I won't lie. Sometimes I play it. I got one on my to, phone. I'm in one, the shower. I got one to kick us off. Go ahead. Believe it or not, BK is going to fall asleep on the plane and leave his wife to take care of their little baby. Oh, believe it. Yeah, I mean that's was that in doubt? No. Typical. 
I slept on the tr- the plane ride to Disney World. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> My wife can't sleep on planes, and I always sleep on planes. So there's yeah. a pretty decent chance that happens. Good. Hopefully Luca falls asleep. We're, hey, we're if you go, that's the number one person yeah, yeah. you'll fall Key asleep. for you, though, if you go into the bathroom on an airplane, they don't have one of those things that you can sit on and hold your food. So just be aware. You have to eat at your I seat. I can't believe you brought that up again. All right, let's play <laughs> nice game. Nice yeah. That's all worthy right Woo! there. By the way, I met our Believe It or, believe it or Not belonged in the Radio Hall of Fame. I learned there's a thing uh, just the other day about Oh, well, that. you yeah. should clip this and send it to us. This is definitely deserving of a Marconi. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. This show and specifically this segment. Yeah, exactly. Guys, believe it Get or back not. back to sports. The Cardinals finished the offseason, and they did not sign one of Yamamoto, Blake Snell, or Aaron Nola. When this offseason is over, one of it, all three of those players have selected a team that is not named the Cardinals, believe it or not. I'll believe it. I think that 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 ace is going to be in a trade. I'm starting to really believe Dylan Cease or Logan Gilbert are going to be a part of the Cardinals, and that's their big move. And then the second guy is the one they spend 18 to 20 million dollars on, and they overpay maybe for a fifth starter. So I'm going to believe this one. I think they end the offseason without any of those top tier guys. You know it. Just say it. I'm going to believe it, too. I think the top dogs coming from without outside the organization via trade. So I, I don't think they're going to sign one of those three. I think they'll probably trade for Cease or Glass now, sign somebody in that second tier. That way they have money for a third for that third starter and then some money for a bullpen arm. I genuinely believe the Cardinals are signing one of Nola or Sonny Gray. And I can't decide who I think they're more likely to sign. I'm getting mixed messages with the Nola market, man. I, I can't decide, I can't tell based on all of the reports if he's going to end up being the guy that is squeezed or if he's going to end up being the one that a lot of teams end up valuing because there are so few pitchers that are giving them innings. I, I don't know. Historically speaking, he's the one that gets squeezed. He doesn't have the strikeout stuff. There is nothing that stands out about his profile as a pitcher. He doesn't have overwhelming velocity. Like none of that jumps off the page in a way that would tell you $30 million a year. None of it. It doesn't match what the other guys are in previous years that have been paid the way that some are suggesting Nola will. But we're in a weird time in Major League Baseball right now where none of these pitchers are going deep into games. And we just saw a postseason in which the thing that was most valuable was pitchers getting deep into games. So is this going to be a throwback offseason, much like the managers, where we now see the guy that goes deep into a game get rewarded for doing so with his new salary? It's possible. But there are so many reports from reputable play- or people that are saying, ah, five years, 125 feels like the ceiling for Aaron Nola, where I'm like, man, if that is the range that he's looking at, the Cardinals have to do that. If you're talking about $23 million for Sonny Gray or 25 for Aaron Nola, just go get Aaron Nola, man. I like Sonny Gray a lot. You guys know that. Aaron Nola's better. He's younger. The contracts will take him actually not as deep into his career as the Sonny Gray one will. He will be younger when then a con- the five-year deal for Nola ends than the three-year deal for Sonny Gray does. So I'm going to say not. I'm not believing this because I think they will eventually Figures. convince themselves what I just did, which is that Aaron Nola has to be the guy. Look, right. he just spent two minutes saying that he's essentially a Jamo Zalak uh, fanboy, and he only wants to believe that Mo does the right thing. Go Alex, what do you got Mo. for us, buddy? Go, Mo. Go, Go. Mo. You're going to be great this offseason. <laughs> Woo! I wear snorkeling gear too. I'm going to be over here with one of those like number one fans. The the sign slash uh, flag. Yeah, I'm going to be waving waving it. it. 
as the wind continues to progressively get faster just and sit. faster. It's like the Simpsons guy. Ha, ha, I'm in danger. In the middle of 120 mile per hour winds, there's hurricanes that are on the horizon. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. All right, guys. Believe it or not, Scott Pernovich is part of a power play goal tonight. I believe it. Why not? Not this power play. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I need to look this up. I was wondering if it's possible that they could have a lower power play success percentage than points percentage of the Sharks this year. Seems pretty likely. Well, this team's going to be fine. Man, I can't read you with this team. One day they're fine. The next day this team sucks. <laughs> what the hell, man? I didn't say they're going to be good. You said fine. They're going to be fine. It's just yeah. as good as good. I'm not going to believe it. Guys, I, believe it or not, Aaron Rodgers is faking the torn Achilles. Oh, Ooh, absolutely now, now believe it. this is interesting. Absolutely Did believe it. you see this conspiracy theory from yeah. Dan Levitard? No, but I like it. Yeah, it's, oh, his ankles healing at a miraculous rate. Yeah, that doesn't happen, Aaron. Said, uh, since he went into the darkness tr- retreat, all he found in the darkness was, I must come back hellbent on beating science. And the way that I do it is by coming back faster than anybody ever has oh, yeah. from a torn Achilles. Absolutely believe this. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, I, this is, I don't believe it. This is a great conspiracy you know, theory. You know it's how, great. You know how you one-up Tom, uh, Tom Brady as the best quarterback ever? I miraculously heal an ankle injury, and my darkness retreat is how. You know how bad Zach Wilson is, and so you watch him for like eight weeks going yeah. out there just getting pummeled. Come back and win the Super Bowl on one leg. You win the division. This is part of what I took into account with my bet. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you are buying in. You're believing the conspiracy theory. The Jets are going to win the Super Bowl this year. I- they, by the way. I think they would be the favorite in the AFC currently if Aaron Rodgers was their quarterback. I actually agree with that one. Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson now, Aaron Rodgers is armed. The defense is so yeah. good, dude. They just have to be average to be a Super Bowl favorite now, coming out of the line AFC. Is yeah, their offensive line is terrible, and all of those, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to break his other ankle if he plays again behind him. they would have beat the Patriots. They would have beat the Chiefs, and I, who knows what would have happened to that Chargers game. It was dead from the moment that the game started, but they'd probably have won maybe two losses this year if Rodgers was their this is the greatest conspiracy theory ever. Absolutely be- believe this one. I don't like it. I'll believe it too. Why not? T-Bone, what do you got? So I was going to go Prunovich as well. But I was going to go uh, bigger picture. Believe it or not, Scott Prunovich will be quarterbacking the top power play unit by the end of the year. No, oh, I'll believe this one. No, you don't. I do. I think if he starts to get success. Why are you the way you are? God, you really do suck. Get on your airplane now, please. <laughs> I, I mean, look, God, tomorrow's going to be so great. What's going to happen is Scott Perunovich is going to get some reps on this power play. I mean, look, let's be honest. Injuries are going to happen. And if it happens for Tory Krug, he's going to get that opportunity. And that's going to be a Wally Pip moment. And I think Scott Perunovich can be that quarterback on the number one power play. It hasn't worked with Tory Krug right now. And Krug was talking about being better on it, being faster on it. Scott Perunovich, I think, just can do that. And I'm going to believe this one. By the end of the year, he's the guy. I might believe it as well because I think I this guy. You, I seriously he didn't even say anything. No, about I the know. Look. It's, I'm telling you, dude. YouTube this, saw. By the way, if you're not watching us on YouTube, you should at 101 ESPN STL. That's how cameras, you get on the presented by Air Alliance Heating and Cooling. Team. That's how you get to the Hall of Fame right there. Now that's a hell of a transition. Uh, but I, uh, I would say believe it because I, I think right now Krug in the power play. I know they're generating offense, but if they go through another long kind of stall where they had like 10 power plays in a row where I was like, oh, can we just decline this, please? Um, <laughs> then I think, yeah, they'll look to Perunovic and hope that he can move the puck a little bit quicker than Tory Krug can. So I think it's definitely possible. I'm not going to believe it, but I like I like your explanation for it. I mean, if they're willing to take the contract off of the power play, I think there's more than ample reason to believe that 
Perunovic could be better on the power and play look, than what Let's understand, like, so far this year. Tori Krug has been better than last year so far this year. Like, not just on the power play has just been, been bad, but, like, defensively, he's been better than what he was last year, and he has been driving some offense. So the power play doesn't work. Power play doesn't work. Three one four three nine 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 six four six is the Air Comfort Service text line for Believe It or Not. Alex, believe it or not, Leon Dreisaitl is not on the Oilers next year. I'll believe this one. I think if you're Edmonton, you've you've just, I mean, you've been what living. What the hell is going on? Well, there? I mean, look, first of all, they have had zero. They don't have a capable goaltender. Like, Who could have seen it coming? Yeah, though, really? Well, I could have. Jack Campbell paying him that money is like, oh, good idea. Now they're just going to run it with Stuart Skinner and Calvin Picard. Like, you've got a great defense. You've got it. Well, okay. You got an okay defense. I like Matias Ekholm. I like Darnell Nurse. That's about it. You've got two of the best players in the game. That doesn't matter if the guy can't stop the puck in the net. I do think that Dreisaitl isn't re-signed, which seems incredible to say, but think about it. You're going to have to pay him probably somewhere between 11 and $13 million, especially with the cap going up. You need to spend that money on other areas of your team, like, you know, a, a third and fourth line, uh, actual some capable defensemen, and a goaltender. So I'll believe this one. I'll believe it, too. I, I don't know how you could run it back after... The way this is trending, if it continues this way, I don't know how you could run it back with Dreisaitl McDavid again. And he's got one year left at eight mil cap hit. I the, and the cap's going up. By the way, we're not in a flat cap era anymore. I so think he's, he's going to want get more. Dealt. And I don't know where he'll go, but I definitely can see where they trade him. And not only do I think they might have might trade him, I think they might have to. He might demand a trade after this yep. season. Could. If I'm Leon Dreisaitl and I'm looking around saying to myself, how does this get better? You're going to pay me 11, 12, 13 million dollars a year and you're going to improve this roster? How? And you're the Explain it to me. And you're always in Connor McDavid's shadow. And I know people will say, "Well, Pittsburgh did it with two guys that were paid a lot of money." Yeah, but they also had a Hall of Fame worthy goaltender. And you don't. Team that should make it happen to get him. Anaheim. Oh, yeah, but well, sorry, yeah, the Blues, absolutely. <laughs> sorry, yeah, that was the first answer. <laughs> Anaheim uh, sure, but Ducks. You- Any team that's like not Detroit where they're like, hey, we're coming out of this retool. Uh, and then you go, nah, no, you're not. I'll tell you the team, the guy Boston. that we just talked to a little bit ago, Arizona. I oh, thought man. about them too. Two teams. Did Arizona, Anaheim. Oh, yeah. If you give them the money. And I mean, that's an up and coming team. If you're Leon Dreisaitl, you want to go where you win. Got and a team for you. you. If you say the Blues, I'm going to slap you. It's not the Blues. Don't say Colorado. Chicago. Thought about it too. Yeah. That's a good one. That'd be really annoying. That'd be a fun look. No, that would not be fun. God, that would suck so much. That's where you put him. Put him in Chicago. So much. Arizona. See, Arizona could do it too because they could trade that Vamelka, who's a a young. So that's the thing. You got to have the assets to make. You got to have a goaltender. You got to have a goaltender or a stud defenseman that you could trade for Leon Dreisaitl. That's cheap because that's the only way Edmonton does that. All right, we'll offer Laddie, Hofer. What else contract can we offer up? Sod. Yeah. Well, right now, Sod. You're, yeah, well, Sod. right now you're not making the cap work on your side, so. Well, we'll figure it out. The other oh side. yeah, you're right. Fun one would be Toronto. No, God no. Toronto has to be done with overpaying for forwards and not spending. Toronto's the exact same team as Edmonton. They just have more stark quality yeah. forwards. Let's see what it looks like. Why not? <laughs> Yolo, am I right? Yeah, why not? Let's see what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, let's just run this who has train. The, who has the assets to make something like this happen? In all seriousness. I mean, Arizona does. I think any of those teams that are had been the bottom feeders and now are Ottawa? starting to show signs. Ottawa's got the assets to do it. I don't know. Would he want to go to Ottawa? Probably not, that, I would imagine. The thing is you have he to also have the has a 10-team no-trade list, too. Mm-hmm. And I would assume like Arizona, yeah. Anaheim, Anaheim hell, probably maybe Chicago may be on that list. Chicago. Um, Detroit would be an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
trying to think East Coast. New Jersey's probably not there. Is, there. is there a good team that would view him as like the Kachuk and not so much the way the he plays, last piece. but like the last piece? Because remember, we never thought Florida, I mean, we knew Kachuk was on, had Florida on <laughs> his guys, list, but we didn't see that guys, I was just going to say, we're completely overlooking the team that always trades Vegas. for stars, Vegas. That's the team. They'll absolutely do it. They'll trade Aiden Hill and try and sell They're not Edmonton. They're not Maybe Vancouver good. says, we'll, we'll trade yeah, you from our Vancouver's got to pay Pedersen, though, and Pedersen's going to be getting dry side of oh, money. Vegas isn't even going to have a fourth line next year. Yeah, Vegas is just going to roll eight forwards and be like, <laughs> yeah. we could do it. <laughs> Instead of F them picks, oh, F yeah. that fourth line. Buffalo's, you know? a, Buffalo's another really good one. Buffalo's oh, yeah. good. Buffalo could be a team that says, let's Ooh, do that it. That would be fun. There's some teams that are really interesting in terms of like, man, you're at a crossroads right now. Like Pittsburgh. What do you do? Oh, Pittsburgh. You have yeah. no way out. Yeah, Pittsburgh's going to blow screwed. it up. Uh, what do you do after this season if you're Edmonton? What do you do after this season if you're Calgary? There are some legit blow-up candidates in the NHL this year, the way that like the Brewers are, for example, in Major League Baseball, where you just you've hit the end of the road. There's, there's no place forward. He's he's a fascinating one in the sense of it. I know we laugh at it because the Blues would never do this. But I, I said they should. You do a number one centerman for that amount of money, put yourself back into the conversation, that's for sure. I mean, that the Blues could be the team. That You're is not going to get them traded. You won't get them traded here, though, because you don't have the assets to trade for them. Robert Thomas. Snugs. I don't think that gets it done. Snugger divorce. Why not? Just throw it in. Robert because Thomas they want to compete now. They, uh, they don't need centermen. I mean, yeah, they're moving on from dry title, right, but I'll, I'll they need defense though. and they need goaltender. You would probably have to give them Bennington and or Hofer. Well, we got to get rid of both of our goalies? I mean, what I'm saying is like, you, you can't trade for him. If he becomes a free agent, that's how you get him. You're not, you don't have the assets to trade oh, for that. That won't happen. Snuggaroo doesn't get trade for him. I said earlier today, I wouldn't trade Bennington. Oh, if it's dry title. Yeah. You have, I mean, look, I love, I'm, I am the biggest component of Jordan Bennington in the state of Missouri. But if Leon dry is available, I always yeah. knew you were a fraud Bennington supporter. I'm not a fraud. I, I want a team that wins. I mean, this is like the. Cubs firing David Ross for Craig Council. Like, yeah, man. Well, if I've whoa, got, whoa, this is whoa. a little bit better than upgrade. Whoa. If I've got one of the best players in the history of the league that suddenly has become available, this is an opportunity that is never presented to you. Yeah, so, yeah, you got to make stuff that shouldn't be available in any other scenario. Suddenly it becomes available here. It's like when we were talking about Kachuk, man. People are like, oh, you can't trade Kairu. No, I, I don't want to trade Kairu. But for that. Yeah, I was going to say, you trade everything for that. Yeah. And that's why Florida did what they did. Like, you don't. If Edmonton's trading Dreisaitl, they're not trading Dreisaitl because they're blowing it up. Because if that's the case, then you trade McDavid, too. You trade Dreisaitl. Wait, because, wait, wait. I'll take McDavid over Dreisaitl. Yeah, I know. But. I don't know. You trade. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Come on, man. You trade dry. It's like Gretzky Jr. over there. You trade dry sidle because you're opening up eight and a half million dollars of cap space that you can spend on a competent goaltender and better depth for a team that needs to win. All right, you know what I want. It's basically the Tyree kill trade. Yeah, like that. That's what they would be doing is saying, "Hey, okay, listen, like we can't have one of the greatest to ever do it, but can we get like four pretty good guys?" To go along with Connor McDavid, who's also one of the greatest to ever do it. And can we please get a goalie? Can we please yeah. get a goalie? Please, just one. And any just team one. that does this that goes for Tricidal is basically saying, yep, we're ready to start winning. In a meaningful way. And by the yeah. way, for anybody curious, like, why are you guys talking about trading Leon Tricidal? That's ridiculous. Well, they're 2-8-1 and one so far to start out the season. They're basically doing their best version of the Blues from 2022. And he's a free agent after next year. So the whole pre 
free agency thing that we've seen with Matthew Kachuk doing that. We've seen other guys that say, hey, a year from now, I'm not resigning here, so you might as well trade me now. It is entirely possible that if it continues going in this direction, Dreisaitl becomes the next guy to say, I'm not resigning here. You have to figure out a way to get me somewhere else, and I'll give you a five-team trade list that I will be willing to resign with, and then they are kind of held over the barrel to figure out what to do. Buckle up for Vegas. <laughs> Vegas has entered the chat. Coming up next, we'll hit the BK and Ferrario Rewind here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Gloria Loom, your home sold guaranteed realty. Selling your home begins at GloriaHasTheBuyers.com. Pretty quick here. Alongside Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything from today's show, we talked with Bill Armstrong, Arizona Coyotes general manager, former Blues assistant GM a little bit earlier today. A great conversation with him. Check that out on the podcast page. 101ESPN.com. The free 101 ESPN app is where you go to find it. It's all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. You guys can always rewatch our YouTube page as well. YouTube.com slash 101ESPN. The studio cams are powered by the Air Alliance team whether you're watching live or you want to watch after the show you can rewatch the show in its entirety over there alex and t-bone are going to take care of you tomorrow which means that there's a guarantee they will have a great guest because i'm out that's what they always do they always get jp morosi i'm sure there's going to be like doug armstrong's going to join you live at the enb grand studios at the sin team community ice center so look forward to that I will talk to you guys next Tuesday. Root for my picks this weekend, please. Jamie Stalter, the fast lane coming up next year on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.